It is now time for Ant and Nick to press play. Hello and welcome to Ant and Nick Press Play. Welcome. Let the drums roll. Let the fanfares sound as we welcome you to the final. Sorry. <laughs> the final episode of Crime Travel. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Nick, but I've got my bottle of lager ready with the white label. Yeah. Gonna look forward to this. <laughs> I'm drinking mine out of a mug. And do you know what? To rub salt into the wound, it is a Doctor Who mug as well. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, I feel like I'm round Jeff's. Oh, I'll just get rid of these pencil shavings. Hang on. And uh, it's uh, going to be quite sad today, isn't it? That we are here to talk about the final episode of Crime Traveller. Yeah. The Broken Crystal. The Broken Crystal, yeah. Obviously, excited to talk about it. Excited that we've come to the end. We've achieved what we wanted to achieve. But it is very sad. Just burped, sorry. So, The Broken Crystal was broadcast on the 19th of April, 1997. And that was the last time that Crime Traveller was ever shown on terrestrial television. And I think any television at all. Yeah, I think so. According to Anthony Horowitz on the DVD, the Crime Traveller Traveler DVD... Um, <laughs> interview uh he, he says it's, it hadn't been repeated so there we go so yeah uh there's a lot to talk about in this one let's, let's get to it yeah we're going out with a, a lot to say and it's quite a fun episode episode seven lottery experiment i think was my definite favorite but this one is enjoyable there's a lot in it to talk about it's another action-packed adventure yeah with jeff slade and holly turner firstly a bit of crime traveler news i had the shock of my life the other week, when my wife suggested, out of the blue, that we watch Crime Traveller. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> no, she, yeah, she did mention it, it's just out of the blue. I want to just see, oh, I want to watch a bit of Crime Traveller. So we watched the first episode together. Oh, that's nice. And I didn't give her any spoilers. I tried not to apologise for it too much or anything, I just let her go on with it. And uh, she was pretty engrossed. So we'll delve into them bit by bit. It's quite nice to just see it again. There was loads in that episode that I thought, oh yeah, I can't remember that bit. (laughs) Or, oh, I've spotted something else. Because the first episode is the one that we did just record and then edit quickly and put out. I think that's maybe the one I've seen the least, that first episode. Interesting. And has she listened to the podcast? No, she hasn't, no. But she might after, (laughs) when she's she's watched them all. I don't know. Because I just wanted to say, if you have watched episode one, you should definitely listen to episode one of our podcast. Yeah, for all your extra information. Excellent. Yeah, I don't really think you get the full story without listening to us after. Uh, but yeah, so that's something. And uh, I don't know if this should stay in, but it feels that we should really mention it, that Michael French was spotted. He was, wasn't he? Walking his dog with a bag of shit. I got which, a, uh... <laughs> I got. I got a few people send me an article from The Sun Ugh. of Michael French just out walking his dog, and that was it. Uh, I mean, God. Yeah, I hate this sort of stuff. Mm. You know, I'm nice to see him, but at the same time, what a massive invasion of privacy. Because I know, just, and who cares? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, and I don't know about you, but when I have to go out and walk the dog, sometimes I'm in no-fit state, and I don't want to. 
I don't want to be out at this time of the morning or this time of the afternoon. Yeah. And I appreciate that was probably what was happening here. I especially don't like it if I've got a bag of shit in my hand. Sorry. Yeah. Bag of poo. <laughs> bag of dog poo. I think it's I think it's the most undignified thing. Desperately looking around for a red bin, yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm just carrying some poo. And you can guarantee you meet about five or six people that you know. You hold this bag of poo and you think, well, I can't put it in my pocket. So I'll just forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You just hide it behind your back of it. Yeah, so that, the story was, oh, look, Michael French is around. Um, notoriously private Michael French. Maybe just keep it that way. Yeah, maybe we should just leave people alone. Yeah. Hey, but nice to nice to see the pictures, wasn't it? It was. And also, I was looking at like comments to the article, all positive. The ones that I saw, I was like, okay, this is good. A lot of love for Michael French, which is why I'm mentioning it. I think. Um, yeah, and Costa is. I mean, because it was a bit of a non-story, but a lot of positive comments about him underneath. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a non-story. That's the sun all over, really, yeah. isn't it? You know, taking photographs of people for no reason whatsoever, yeah. and it's usually done with a bit of malice as well. So it is nice to mm. see that positive comments under something like that. So that's great. They missed the trick by not making a pun in the title because he had a French bulldog with him, didn't he? So that's staring him in the face. Yeah, Michael French bulldog. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or David Walks. (laughs) Or, of course, Holby Shitty. Brackets dog. Amazing. But no, instead I think they went with Michael French's spotted out walking his dog or something. (laughs) All right. Really really catchy. That's going to sell some papers, isn't it, guys? So anyway, yeah, that's uh, some exciting things that have been happening. But now, without further ado, let's raise our glasses, well, our mugs, and let's get into Jeff Slade and the Broken Crystal. Spoiler. (laughs) We begin with an old-ish lady getting... uh, Yeah, we'll get to her later. Getting a new... (laughs) Getting a newspaper wet. Yeah, just dripping. <laughs> Little drips of water coming through the electrics. She looks a bit like the librarian from Ghostbusters. Yes, she does. The one that turns into the evil spirit. The first thing I put was old woman, and then I looked again and I put, no, young woman, no, old, oldish. I couldn't get a handle of how old she was. No. But yeah, <laughs> so these drips of water come down onto a newspaper. And she rushes out of the room and shouts, Professor! Professor Haywood! Professor Haywood! Professor Haywood! She runs upstairs and we hear some running water. Professor? I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit Jumanji, this, Professor? isn't it? The water's coming out of the door. <laughs> yeah. of, I mean, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot of water. <laughs> she opens the bathroom door and she just barges in. Yeah, I mean, it could be naked. Well, it's got glass windows in that door anyway, so I know they're slightly frosted or whatever, but I reckon you could see through if you really wanted to. So yeah, she goes in to find the professor having a nice, relaxing, fully clothed bath under some taps. Yeah. I think he probably could have turned them taps off. Yeah, I agree. Either way, even if someone was, spoilers, killing someone in a bath, I don't think that's the best way to do it either. No. I think of the mess. The mess that's now made in this house that the the old lady, the young old lady's got to clear up. (laughs) Anyway, shocking. Shocking scenes to start. Could have been a casualty opening, couldn't it, really? Um, (laughs) But imagine going in for that. I've got part. Prime time BBC. Oh. (laughs) Anyway, so then we cut to 
Holly and Slade, obviously, on a date. Kissing in a tree. Except it isn't because there's been no romance. But they've, for some reason, gone to the Renoir cinema to watch... Um, yeah, Le Enfant de Paradis, isn't it? It's Children of Paradise, uh, apparently. Oh, that was brilliant. Wasn't that brilliant? That film was made 50 years ago and it feels timeless. Yeah, felt pretty endless too. Oh no, you didn't like it. Oh, oh. subtitles, black and white. You know, I first saw Les Enfants de Paradis on my first date. Your first date? Yeah. Wait, don't tell me. It was an old French film, so it must have been with an old French man. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, listen, do you, uh, do you want to go for a drink? No, I'm going to go home, have a cup of coffee. Do you want to come? Yeah, come on. This has to be a date, doesn't it? I mean, they're acting like it wasn't, but it has to be. And, and the thing is, I think I read it's like 190 minutes long. So it's quite a lengthy French romantic drama. So if you're going for a romantic date, great. But if they're just going as friends, why? Yeah, and also, like, obviously Slade isn't going to like that film, is he? I mean, what was she hoping to achieve by that? Boring to death. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I was trying to see if anything in the plot kind of related to crime travel in any way. It doesn't. I thought it was interesting that, I don't know whether I'm looking too much into it, that it's a French title and obviously it's Michael French. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's, that's interesting. But I only had a brief look. I've not watched it. Will I? Probably not. I mean, it's a French. There's a nice little funny line that is actually really funny when Holly says that <laughs> the film is timeless and um, Slade says it feels endless too. <laughs> he must have been so bored. <laughs> I love it. He can't even go into a five-minute briefing without getting distracted and chucking stuff around and eating bananas. Well, that's it. It's 190 minutes. <laughs> They've gone in there at, what, seven o'clock? Yeah. Come out, <laughs> come out like three hours later. So it is a date. It has to be a date or he would never have... Because she's mentioned before about, oh, I'm doing this lecture. And he's going, no. So why has he done that? Because he's been in a dark cinema, cutting a hole in the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he can get his slayed away. <laughs> Holly says that she first saw the film on her first date with somebody. Yes. The hackles on Slade's neck go up. Yeah, and, and this is a recurring theme throughout this episode. He does a very good... Jealous face, yeah. doesn't he? Um, yeah. And, and I like it. I liked it. It's good to see him annoyed and mm. upset. Because he never outright says to, to Holly that he's in love with her. No. But clearly is. Clearly is. <laughs> yeah, so Slade tries to chance his arm and ask Holly out for a drink. But yeah. um, she says, nah, I'm just going to go home. But then she invites him back to hers for some coffee. So... Slade sort of, Slade wants to know. It's playing on his mind now. Who was this guy who she went on a date with? Date? You? Who was it? Tell me. But before they can get near the the flat, um, there's a man peeking out, looking at Jeff and Holly very suspiciously. So who was he then? Who? Your first date. (laughs) It's none of your business. He then shouts. Miss Turner. And then, before we know it, he's hit by a car. That's the end of him. So we yeah. only got how long? Not long as a character, did he? No. <laughs> he got a little bit longer than um, Professor Haywood. 
So he's hit by this car with a weird wolf face on the car, like a beast of hell. I don't understand this. That symbol seems very... What's the word? Almost like it's mythical, isn't it? It seems like uh, like it'd be part of like a pagan ritual or something like that. Like there's a weird cult that's going to turn up later on in the episode because the camera hangs on it a couple of seconds too long. So we notice it. Yeah. Obviously, they Jeff and Holly both go over and he's kind of clutching at Holly and pointing, isn't he? Pointing. Yeah. Gestures to Holly's arm and then dies. And they're kind of both like, oh, do you, do you know him? No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Holly asks him to ring an ambulance, but then he doesn't because he stops to listen to what this guy doesn't say. But then the police pull up, and I don't know where from. Yeah, I thought that. I thought, I don't know what... what's happened there? Have they been chasing this man? Slade and Holly just go straight to the time machine, to yeah. the safety of Sundown Court. So they don't call the police. They just leave him. And then, bam, immediate time travel, one minute in. You're going back? Yep. That man was coming to tell me something and died right in front of me. I can't leave it like that. Are you going to try and stop it happening? You know I can't do that. Well, so the first lot of times, if you can't cross down the pavement on the other side, grab hold of his arm, whoever he was, and stop him crossing the road. You can, if you like. I'll settle for the car registration and a view of the driver. Okay, ready? Let's go. So Slade's still... Still, <laughs> episode eight, still trying to change time. But as the time machine is working, we see the police cars going mental, like Morris's one did. Sirens blaring, hazards going off, windows up and down, that kind of thing. So, unfortunately, this time... Well, they've only got three minutes. Three minutes left. Yeah, they set off to go, and it's immediately... Beep, 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 beep. Oh. <laughs> What's going on? Nothing's going wrong. I always told you the machine is unpredictable. Sometimes it gives you a day, sometimes a few hours. This time... Three minutes. If I could afford the research, I could solve it. I know I could. I know it's something to do with the length of the photon rods, but when I can't even afford to pay for anything else, how can I begin to... It doesn't matter. When we return to the present, we can travel back again. And hopefully we'll get a bit longer. It's not going to let us go back any further than we are now. This is a new rule. You can go back twice, but you can't occupy the same time space three times. Yeah. And then they just put the watch in and just, oh, <laughs> just got to sit now for another three minutes. It's quite, I don't know. I, don't, I just find it quite interesting. It's the only time they've got the bloody thing in <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're safe. So they don't get caught in a loop of Jeff's infinity. So in the, <laughs> in this time that this three minutes that they've got to spend, Slade just, Lies down. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I mean, is that is that a new plot point? I think it is. I don't think we've established before that you couldn't go back three times. I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You've got the real timeline, and then you've mm. got the going back in time timeline. So as soon as the machine's working, it's sort of, it's working within that timeline, isn't it? So you can't add another timeline into that, because it's already protecting the time around that timeline. Here's a theoretical question. Mm. If there was, if there was more than one machine... And people had multiple machines. Yeah, if. Yeah. And people were going back into timelines and they were crossing timelines. Is that different because they're different people using different machines? Or is uh, it just set to this one machine, theoretically? I think it's the, I think it's the, oh yeah. I think it's probably the machine. <laughs> yeah. I think. Anyway. As Holly's putting the watch back in the machine. The machine breaks. 
Yeah. The crystal, the titular crystal that we've never heard of before, explodes. No, 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 no. Please, don't let it be that. What is it this time? It's a crystal. It's a type of sapphire. It's in the heart of the machine. The case is Niobium. Ouch. Look at it. It's cracked. I'm losing the cryogenic fluid. What's it for? It cools the electrophoretic process. Of course. My father had to sell his house to buy this. This is the single most expensive part of the machine. I can never afford to buy another one. Do you understand? Does the machine work without it? The machine is nothing without it. What do you mean? Yes, this means we're not going anywhere ever again. Sell your flat, Ollie. Come on. <laughs> So Slade's just, like, not bothered until he hears that they can't travel again. And then he's like, oh, what? what? Hang on. Yeah, that's it. We've got to get another crystal somewhere. Someone must have one, quick. So that's it. That's the end of their time travel forever, I think. And that's the end of Crime Traveller. And this is the moment where you think, right, (laughs) he's going to do everything he can to get this show back on the road. So we cut to the station and we find out that this guy who got run over was Nigel Chapman and he was also a professor. Yeah, and he worked with Holly's father. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what she says that they were working on. Was it quantum mechanics or something along those lines, isn't yeah. it? But I guess it's to do with time travel. Well, sort of. <laughs> um, but then he worked at a place called Web Biotech, which Holly's never mm. heard of. But... Well... It seems he wasn't the only recent fatality that Web Biotech had suffered, Morris. This is a newspaper article. Oh, here we go. Uh, It was found in the inside pocket of the dead man. You want me to read it out, Chief? That's the idea, Morris. Yeah, and Morris has to read here, doesn't he? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm a bit concerned why Morris is all of a sudden illiterate. Yeah, well, he was a bit like that in earlier episodes as well. Yeah, I don't understand really... And when Morris goes to read it, <laughs> Slade in the background just goes, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So it's obviously known that he's not very good at reading. It must be. That must be what he's referring to. It's really bad. I don't know whether it's just... The annoying thing here is that he reads it, but then he struggles over the line biotech. Police last night were making no comment on the mysterious death of Ron Haywood, who headed up a division at the Web, the Web Biotech Corporation. Professor Hayward, who was found dead in the bath, may have suffered a heart attack. Wait a minute. Hayward, I know him too. Uh, maybe Chapman was coming to see Holly to tell him about Hayward, and, and that was what got him killed. You know, you might have got something there, Robson. That had never occurred to me. Oh. So it's an odd choice of word to stumble over. Yeah, to get hung up on. Maybe he needs glasses. But weirdly, it cuts to Grisham sort of like (laughs) encouraging him. Yeah, biotech, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like she's his primary school teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, Morris, you can read it. Come on. Big round of applause for Morris. Well done. Pay rise for Morris. Um, The article, by the way, if you pause it, that newspaper article has been fully written up. That is exactly what he's reading. It's the whole article. So what was the excuse for Holly's speech that time? (laughs) It was just copied and pasted random sentences. Maybe Morris was struggling with line learning. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. 
Yes, we find out that the man in the bath was called Haywood. That, this is where we find that out, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, that woman said Haywood before, didn't she? Oh, yeah, of course she did. <laughs> That's the first line in it. She didn't just say Professor. <laughs> um, Nikki says that, uh, you go, ooh, maybe Chapman was trying to warn Holly about Haywood. And Grisham says, ooh, I think you might be onto something. That's never occurred to me. And then Nikki goes, oh, like that. But it, was that meant to be sarcastic? I think it was, uh, but I don't think it quite hit. Quite play very yeah. well. She genuinely goes, I think you might be onto something there. Yeah, that never occurred to me. Yeah, she didn't put the sarcastic incidents on it, no. so it didn't come across as sarcasm. And he responded as if he uh, yeah, was upset as if gone, and annoyed. Oh, yeah, it never occurred to me. And then the director never went, can we redo that bit? Yeah, no. <laughs> they just carried on. Yeah, weird. So I'm not sure, not sure what was going on there. No. Um, Grisham tells Jeff and Holly to check out Web Biotech. Yeah, Morris and Nikki are sent to get some background on Haywood, aren't Yes. They? I'm just a bit concerned why, again, she's sending Holly with Jeff. I know. Yeah. Because you're science, you're techie, Holly. You, you go with Jeff. But just like whatever. Every episode has to sort of fudge things a little bit in order to make Holly present with Jeff all the time. Yes. Just make her a detective. Like, what's the issue? <laughs> There's always got to be, oh, well, actually, you might as well go along, Holly, you know, that kind of thing. You're good at sewing, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we cut to Webb. Mm. Uh, and this is, I think this is where we find out how much an electromagnetic crystal will, will cost. £20,000, yeah. Holly says. Um, yeah. and, and Jeff makes a, a second-hand joke. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah. What, what's it actually called, this crystal? I can't remember. Just written crystal. Electromagnetic crystal with niobium casing, that's it. So just put that into eBay. Electromagnetic yeah. crystal with, in fact, <laughs> here's a little feature. <laughs> Here we go. eBay is open. Right. Electromagnetic crystal niobium casing. Oh, bloody hell, I spelt it exactly right. Wow. N-I-O-B. So there is no exact matches found. Uh. You can get some niobium metal... You can get some earrings made of niobium wire. That'd be okay. nice. Maybe you could have some of them as a gift. Uh, you can get, what's that? A Bitcoin pyramid. <laughs> Electromagnetic. Don't know what that is. Cool. It's mainly earrings. Oh, niobium. Well. I've ne- I'd never heard of niobium before, but there you go. So they go into Biotech, Web Biotech, and uh, Holly sees this man she seems to know called Marlowe. Mm. Stephen Marlowe. He's a prick. Holly? Stephen! How are you? I'm alright, how are you? What are you doing here? Well, I'm technical director here. What are you doing here? I was told it was the police. We are the police. It's a long story. This is Jeff Slade. We work together. Stephen Marlowe. Hi. Good to meet you. God, I can't believe it's you. I was just thinking about you. Last night, we went to see Les Enfants de Paradis. No way. Made 50 years ago, but it still feels timeless. It was our first date, Les Enfants de Parody, in that tiny cinema in Cambridge. That's right. Yes, he's played by uh, a gentleman called Christopher Villiers. Yeah. He's been in many things, but he was in Doctor Who mm-hmm. um, and lots of other stuff. I think he's quite good. Yeah. From the second he comes onto screen, I actively hate him. Yeah. He's Absolutely. Sleazy. But I'm not saying the actor. 
when I saw him in Doctor Who, he was great. He was in the um, Mummy on the Orient Express episode. Yeah, which is a, a fantastic episode, to be honest. He played the professor, didn't he? Yeah. He yeah. was. He was like um, the guy that kind of studied what the mummy was. And he was very good. And I was watching him. He was really, really good. He was kind of upper class and a bit prim and proper, but kind of trying to keep a stiff upper lip, but intelligent. And it, it was good. So it's not him. It's He's actually the greatest actor of his generation <laughs> because... I took a dislike to this character straight away. So in a bit of clunky plotness, it was Stephen Marlowe who went on the date with Holly. So there's automatically a tension there because he's the guy that actually went on time. We can see it in Slade's eyes. Ugh, jealousy creeping. Yes. Um, so brazen. And I kind of thought, Why? Why, Molly? What, what what did you see in this man? Ugh. Love it. Jeff's face drops. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like you were saying before. It's fantastic, isn't it? Jealous Jeff. Yeah. He, he does it great in this episode throughout. Yeah, it's so much in one face. Um, where are we? Yeah. We are about to see Sebastian Webb. Aren't we? Oh, we are, yeah. So Sebastian Webb runs the company. <laughs> or, as he's otherwise known, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think he looks like the guy... Do you remember the guy from Mrs. Doubtfire, who's like the TV producer guy <laughs> that he has that dinner? Yeah, it's, got, it's the Mrs. Doubtfire guy, isn't it? Yeah, the not director there, but he's the owner of the movie studio. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. does look like him a lot. <laughs> not as good an actor, though. God bless him. I looked at him. He was in a lot as well, a lot of... Was he? I've not um, looked him up. Stuff up. What's his name then? Uh, Godfrey James. He, he unfortunately passed away in 2019. He was... Oh. He was also in Doctor Who. Oh, um, interesting. They all have been... Oh, I've got him up now. Oh, he played Tarn in Underworld. Tarn, yes. So, And he's been, he's been in a lot else, but obviously I don't think he did much after 2001, I was looking at. Mm. But I agree. He's very shouty in this, isn't he? Yeah! Chapman dead? Yes. I believe he was working with Ron Haywood. They were both a waste of time and money. Six months! Six months working on a project that's going nowhere, then one of them manages to drown himself. And now this. What exactly was their project? Marlowe, you tell them. You know more about it than I do. Uh, they were working in the area of viral research. They were trying to build a new form of synchrotron. What's that? Well, it's a bit difficult to explain to the lay mind. Well, why don't you have a go anyway? It creates a form of radiation by spinning electrons around an evacuated circular tube at just under the speed of light. So they go, <laughs> they go to see Sebastian Webb only for Marlowe to have to explain actually what's happening. Yes. <laughs> so they could have done that in the corridor. Um, there's a few points in this episode. I had to keep rewinding it, and I've watched it a few times, because there's a lot going on with exactly who works for who and who did what. And So they were working for Web Biotech, funded to create a synchrotron, viral research, yes. something, synchrotron or blah, 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 I don't know. There's a lot of, like, techno babble in it. And basically, they'd got all this money, but there was nothing to really show for it. So he was like, oh, they were just frittering it away, and uh, and now they're dead. <laughs> yeah, and he's very suspicious of Marlowe, I, I think, as well. Yeah, because he's the one that employed them. Yeah, I mean, if they're spending a lot of money and not getting any results, I, mm. mean, I mean, I know he's being shouty, but... Yeah. He makes a good point. That's what Slade says later. There's a bit of a tension between Slade and Marlowe still, because Marlowe uses the phrase... Um, yes. It's a bit uh, difficult to explain to a lay mind. <laughs> yeah. 
Jeff really already hates Marlowe. You know, absolutely hates him. Like he wants to deck him. He's already quoted what Holly said earlier, as, passing it off as his own thing. We're talking about Les Enfants de Paradis. As if he's like, oh yeah, that I know that one. I know that film. Brilliant. Yeah, I was asleep. Uh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> what kind of synchrotron were they building? Revolutionary new design. More compact, more economic. Could have been worth millions. Mm. If they finished it. Can we take a look at it? You. You take them down. I'm busy. This way. Up to something, if you ask me. What do you mean? Ask him. He employed them. All those overheads. Working day and night. And for what? For nothing. Nothing to show for it. Chapman and Hayward. <laughs> they were a waste of space. Yeah. He says that the dead men that have died were a waste of space, which I think is horrible because <laughs> they've just died. So they follow Marlowe into the lab, don't they? Yeah. And um, Holly, she's so happy because she finds an in- intensifier, she calls it. I don't know. She just goes, this equipment! <laughs> Before she's even looked at it. Yeah, it's the happiest she's been. The equipment! <laughs> yeah, because it's not all like wires and bubble wrap like her stuff and like all things balanced on no, top it's... of each other. <laughs> and um, Milo does ask her if she's still dabbling in uh, space time. Interesting. Yeah. To which, <laughs> in the background, Slade, his ears prick up. He just stares at him. <laughs> yes. Um, Slade asks about this mysterious locked door. With Richmond inside. Um <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's where the goths are kept. Flash, flash. Do you know what? I, as I was writing this and watching it, I started to type, oh, Slade's actually behaving himself and not touching things. Immediately, he opened a fridge <laughs> without asking and then sniffed a conical flask, <laughs> which could have had poison in it. That could have ruined weeks of research, him opening that, and just sniffing a bit of liquid in a conical flask. Whew. I could be cyanide! <laughs> you said this machine they were working on was uh, worth millions. Uh, yeah. Worth millions to whom? Well, Webb Biotech, of course. You're not suggesting that Webb had them killed in order to steal their designs. Why would he do that? Anyway, there are no designs. So you say. So Jeff thinks Webb killed the men. Um, very suspicious. I mean, obviously, you're going to be first impressions with Sebastian Webb. Mm. Horrible man. Of course he did it. But... <laughs> Who's immediately said, waste of space. I hate them. I hate them. Kill them now. Bah. Um, yeah, so it's reasonable to think that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then they, they leave Webb Biotech and Holly pulls Slade up on his antagonism. Needless antagonism. Uh, and Slade is jealous. Yes, very and, so, and he's not really hiding it very well. But it, it comes across as a little bit like teenager, doesn't it? Like, oh God. Uh, yes. yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, fine. So it's antagonistic. No, you're so unfair. <laughs> um, and let's just remember, Holly, um, how you were behaving with Sonia Duval before we start calling somebody else jealous and antagonistic. But yeah, we found out that Frederick Turner tutored Stephen at Cambridge. Yes. And Slade asks if Stephen knows about the time machine, but Holly goes, no. But I think Jeff is like, hmm. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, he did say about space time. He did mention it, so maybe. Yeah. Um, I've just wrote here in my notes, has Morris had a stroke this episode? <laughs> so presumably we now go back to Morris. Yeah. <laughs> um, Christian uh... asks how far he's got with the investigation and he goes, well... He drowned in the path, Chief, but it now looks almost certain it was in suspicious circumstances. Yes. Well, the fact that he was fully clothed at the time would seem to suggest that. Have you been to the house yet? Not yet, Chief. And that's as far as he's got with it. They really are painting him as a moron. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Slade? How did you get on at Web Biotech? Well, I think we may have a suspect. In fact, I'd like you to put out a tail on it. Who? Stephen Marlowe. He's the technical director. He's got nothing to do with it. Go on, Slade. Haywood and Chapman were working on something called a synchrotron, which would have made someone very, very rich. If they'd finished it. Well, we only have Marlowe's word that they didn't finish it. He recruited them, he was responsible for them. Now, if they hadn't made any progress within six months, don't you think Marlowe would have been the first to complain? Seems a bit thin. Yeah, so Slade has, which we all knew, from the second he laid eyes on Marlowe, Slade was thinking, you. I am going to do everything within my power to get you, Marlowe, guilty or not. <laughs> I think this is just jealousy coming through. I don't think he's being a great detective. And obviously doesn't talk it through with Holly at all. Whereas no. normally he would talk through his scenarios with Holly. Yeah. And kind of be like, oh, I think this person is, is it. He obviously hasn't in the car journey back or anything like no. that. But he's doing this in front of Holly as well. So Holly's obviously... yes. Just go, no, 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 he's got nothing, he's got nothing to do with it. Uh... Which from Holly, that in itself, you can't say he's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. So they're kind of both <laughs> wrong here. Holly's actively trying to stop Slade, and Slade's actively trying to <laughs> incriminate Stephen. Exactly, and, and privately in this scene, Jeff walks away into the office, Holly follows, and she has a go at him, a real dressing down kind of saying, yeah. well, I'm really annoyed at you, how can you do this? Says it's because you're jealous, but... There's no relationship, is there, really, between Jeff and, and Holly no. in a romantic sense. So I don't understand why she's that annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he's so jealous and I don't know why she's so annoyed. Like, there's potentially uh, something going on, but it's just never flagged up by any of the characters. Exactly. So even though you can read stuff into their body language and how they react with each other and stuff, it's not actually... It's not official. No. So, so it's just like, uh, why... But there we are. Um, and actually, this is the first time as well there's been any kind of sign of Holly having any relationship with anyone ever in the past as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100%. So all of a sudden, this ex-boyfriend comes up from, you know, five or ten years ago or something. This person she went on a date with. But she hasn't had any other interest throughout the whole series. Jeff hasn't. No, and, and it's at odds with what we're seeing as a viewer. It really is. Yeah. Um, and there hasn't even been like earlier in the series where, you know, where maybe one of them's made a move and it's not quite worked out or there's been a near kiss or anything like that that's unresolved. It's just, just no. <laughs> it's just like, all right, they, just, I go for a drink. Now nah, I'm all right. All right, bye then. They are just friends. <laughs> yeah. And he just uses the time machine mm. and that's the reason they're friends. And I know they had the date at the beginning and maybe Jeff was trying to, but we don't see any of that. <laughs> so why? I don't understand. Uh, but there we are. There's some jealousy. Yeah. Fine. So we cut back to the house where the Batman died. Where Batman died? Yeah, where Batman died. Um, in the big house. Um, with this lovely old young woman. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> He's paid until the end of the month, so I haven't touched anything. Is there anything missing? 
I couldn't tell you. I never come in here. And what, what sort of man was Mr. Hayward? He was a tall man. And what about his temperament? He's what? How was he before he died, Mrs. Uh... Beavis. And he was the same as usual. So there was nothing strange about his behaviour in the week before he died? Well, now you mention it, he did seem a little nervous about something. And then there was that day he went out twice. So, yeah. this woman, she's a bit like a Harry Potter ghost, isn't she? <laughs> a very weird voice. I'll tell you a little bit about the actress that, that plays her. Okay. Angela Pleasance. Yeah. She's still alive. Yeah. We, we may know her. You, you may know her. She was Queen Elizabeth in the Shakespeare Code. Mm. So She started off that arc, that Queen Elizabeth 10th Doctor arc. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? She's fantastic. She's great in that. But here, mm. what's the voice all about? I don't know. She's called Mrs. Beavis, but she's acting like a butthead, quite frankly. <laughs> That's rubbish. Um, no, but she is. She, Her father was Donald Pleasance. Do you know who that is? No, I do not. Enlighten me. You might know. So he's the original Blofeld in James Bond. Right. With the scar down his eye, that one. And he was also Dr. Loomis in the Halloween films. Do you know that one? Oh, yes. Very, very famous. Yes. He was in Lovejoy. Oh, was he? Interesting. (laughs) But yeah, quite renowned, world-famous actor. But... Donald Pleasance, basically, when he was a boy, went to school near where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Angela Pleasance was born in Sheffield, about three miles away from where I lived. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, very interesting. But um, isn't it weird that minister, Sir Ian, was born near you? Yeah. And then the, she was born in uh, in Sheffield, near me. That's not um, a Sheffield accent, by the way. I just want to clarify <laughs> It's absolutely not how I speak. The people from Sheffield do not speak like it. I don't know what she's doing. Yeah, the the voice, it goes a bit English to a bit Scottish to a bit Norwegian to a bit just nothing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, exactly. What is happening? I don't understand. It's like a person forgetting how to speak. Yeah. It's it's almost like, do you remember Nightmare, the the TV... The TV show, the kids' TV show. Yeah. The actors in that really overdid everything because they were from the stage and oh, yes. things of that nature. Yes. It is. But yeah, the way like, she's talking is very... It, it's very theatre acting, um, which is fine if you're in a theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Her speech actually makes me laugh because <laughs> they're saying like, oh, did you notice anything about Professor Haywood before he died? And she goes, oh, well, he did seem very nervous. And of course... <laughs> And of course, there was that one time. <laughs> of course, there was that one time when he went out twice. Yes. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, he always went out at 7.30. Sharp. Well, one morning, must have been about a week before he, uh, it happened. I heard him go. But when I came out, he was still there. <laughs> I thought, no more of it. Okay. Very, very <laughs> odd. I mean, the thumbnail will just be this lady, I think, this time. <laughs> oh, no. Because I mean, it's the final, isn't it? So maybe not. But yeah. oh, it really is something else. God, what a weird performance. But it's funny. 
Well, the thing is, she's not a bad actress, is she? she she's... I don't know. I've only seen her in this and Doctor Who. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. But she's okay Doctor Who. She wasn't speaking like this. I mean, she was speaking like Queen Elizabeth. Well, so do you maybe... know what? I looked it up and it's not far off. <laughs> Anyway, so, Marlowe, a street, a man with duck hair, Kimberland. Uh Marlowe <laughs> came round to ask all sorts of questions about Haywood, which was also suspicious. Phew, that beer out of a mug has gave me right burps. It's not the best way of drinking beer, I've got to say, Slade. At this point, Slade should have been right. I know exactly what's happening. But no, no. Um, even though he knows that these guys worked with Holly's dad. Um, so, so yeah, Holly and Marlowe. It just keeps coming. This episode just gets better and better because we're going on the date now, aren't we? <laughs> Marlo, so, here we go. Here we go. Seat yourselves in. This is a ride. Let me... T- <laughs> this is... Well, the best Brilliant. date ever. Love it. Um, yeah. Holly and Marlowe are basically are on a date, or at least a catch-up, but it's it's hard to tell with Holly because we thought she was on a date with Slade and she wasn't. Um, it's a lovely candlelit dinner for two. Um, yeah. Lovely little restaurant. Yes, very nice. Lots of red lights, lots of nice decor, very intimate conversation. Really going to get it on, aren't they? But, oh. <laughs> It's great to see you, Holly. Thanks for agreeing to come. Thanks for inviting me. Cheers. Cheers. It's been too long. Five years. Seems longer. You know, I loved working for your dad. I was very sorry when... He was a brilliant man. You always said you'd go far. No, I still can't quite believe that you ended up doing what you're doing. I mean, it seems so completely unlike you. Well, 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 this is cosy. Yeah, they don't get too far into it, do they? <laughs> Before. No, because... Well, well, well. What does it? <laughs> I laughed and laughed and laughed. This is cosy. Sits right in between them. Starts opening up a menu and <laughs> looking at that. It says pricey. It's better, isn't it? Right, of uh, tap water, please. It's just no shame. Um, it really is no shame. It's great. Yes. Uh, so Holly's like, how did you know I was here? Nah. Who's been tracing Marlowe? Morris. Yeah. Morris told me he was here. So yeah, just blurt that out. <laughs> oh yeah, we've got someone tailing you, Marlowe, by the way. So Slade just invites himself to this table and he wants to conduct a police interview <laughs> at the table. <laughs> what exactly do you want? Um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Now? Yes. Why not? Far away. I was just wondering why you were asking questions about Professor Hayward during the week before he died. His landlady mentioned it. That's simple enough. I'd heard a rumour he was being headhunted and I want to find out if there's any truth in it. And was there? I never found out. She said he appeared nervous about something. Was he nervous about you? This isn't fair. Listen to me. I was nowhere near here with the night he died. I've already given a statement. I was in Knightsbridge on the other side of town. But nobody saw you. As a matter of fact, they did. 
I spoke to a newspaper seller. And on the night Chapman was killed, I was in Weybridge. I asked a policeman for directions. Yeah, convenient, that, isn't yeah. it? Got an alibi. Speaks to somebody at a newspaper stand or a newspaper seller. And then for the other one, a policeman. Very convenient indeed. Almost too convenient, you might say. Yeah. So then it becomes a bit awkward for everyone. Holly just wants to be swallowed into the ground, never to return. And then Slade just leaves. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, it's like... Uh, he didn't want to leave, did he? No. But he does leave. And we see the wolf car from yeah. earlier in the episode outside. Yeah. Watching Slade. And a um, shady figure inside. Very shady. And I've got to admit something, because there's a proper lingering shot on this wolf car. Earlier on, it was a bit too quick to see. You know, the first couple of times, I didn't even notice that that was the same car. I, I imagined it was. Mm. But I didn't actually see that wolf properly the first time round. And I probably wouldn't have if I'd been watching it live. So, waste of time. Um, you know, I like to see where things were filmed and try and see if I can pinpoint things. And Yes. So, this place he comes out of has got a big neon sign that says Hot House. Yes. And the numbers 78 to 80 on the side. Mm-hmm. Did a bit of digging and it came up as 78 to 80 Wapping Lane in Wapping, London, which is now a Pizza Express. So we could go in it. We could we could sit in there and have a pizza. <laughs> oh my god, that's not that one that Prince Andrew went to, is it? <laughs> yeah. You said it was somewhere, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Prince Andrew Pizza Express. Which one was it? Woking. Uh. Right, okay, fine. <laughs> so close. Um. Yeah. So that can be part of the tour of when we when we go around all the. Uh, Crime travel locations. Drop into Pizza Express at the end. Yeah, I can't wait to see the freezer unit. That's going to be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Marlo and Holly just carry on with the day like nothing's happened. (laughs) I was about to ask... What? Whether you ever got married. (laughs) No, no. No, not me. You know, your father always used to say that... Yes, he used to say an awful lot of things. Hmm. What about you and Jeff Slate? (laughs) Slate? No, no, we're just friends. Jeff Slate? Uh, Fantastic. What a... What a pathetic kind of... Little play on words, isn't it? No, Slate. He's as thick as a slate, isn't he? Um, Jeff Slate... (laughs) Jeff Slate. No, but she says they're just friends. So that's that. It's confirmed, yeah. Um, apparently Holly's dad used to say that they should... Them too, you yeah. know. But Holly's... Slash Chloe Annette's, but Holly's body language. Mm-hmm. Not good. Marlo cannot read body language. No. Oh, I, well, sorry. We've just had an email from every single girl I've ever known in my life. With the title Hypocrite, it says here. Brilliant. Oh, interesting. I'll read that later. Um... <laughs> at this point we cut to Jeff Slate um, I think he's at home now isn't he yeah yeah. yeah. we only see a little tiny corner of it yeah. so we, we don't get the full extent of how we don't know if he's bought any more furniture or a telly yet um, and he gets a mysterious phone call so I don't know how this person's got his home number BT book uh, the time maybe Yellow Pages yeah look under Slate It's a, this man that's following him has a really bad accent. Could it be Mrs. Beavis again? Who knows? 
Irish accent, I believe it is, isn't it? A genuine Irish man. Has to be. Yeah. Sorry, Northern Irish. British man. Mm-mm. Yes. God, I'm not getting into all that now. No. Hello? Mr. Slade? Yeah? Who's this? Are you looking for the man who killed Ron Hayward? I might be. I know where he is. Who are you? Meet me in half an hour. One o'clock at the tobacco docks. Know them? Yeah, I can find them. How will I recognise you? Oh. But you'll recognise me. I thought I was watching Derry Girls. It was very odd. It's very, <laughs> that very strong. Uh, and I just thought, okay. Is that Jeff Sliat? <laughs> um, why, why do this? But hey, and he tells him to come to the docks alone. Yeah. Hey, no, who carried here with me in half an hour? Tobacco docks. Now, the tobacco docks is a real place. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's a real place in London and it's in Wapping. And it is within walking distance of Pizza Express. <laughs> Six minute walk from Pizza Express. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? Well, we'll be going there then, won't we? We'll take a trip to the tobacco docks. Yeah. Visit Wapping, everyone. Have a whopping great time. I wonder where Jeff's flat's meant to be. We never see it from the outside. But what that means is that Slade's gone from Pizza Express all the way back to his flat <laughs> to only be told that he's got to go all the way back to where he's just been. Wonderful. <laughs> Maybe he lives in Wapping as well then. They're all Wapping. Um, so Jeff, Jeff just says yes, this is fine. He, he kind of said, yeah, I'll be there. See you later, mastery man. Cut back to the date. So Marlo's now trying to get Holly in on web by... Marlo makes a job offer to Holly here. Biotech. Uh, Says, come and work for me at Biotech. Come and work for me. My last two employees have just been murdered. (laughs) So (laughs) One in a bathtub, one hit by a car, screaming your name. (laughs) Come down the road. Work for me. (laughs) So she's like... "Mm." He guesses that Holly's still working on her dad's ideas. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows. You never start, did you? Um, And he also lets it slip that he's still got feelings for Holly, which don't look reciprocated (laughs) at all. No, and Holly... Her face drops. She looks like she's going to be sick. Yeah, definitely. She never looks like she really is interested in any sort of love or anything like that. But yeah, she doesn't want to know. And you mm. just kind of think, I wonder how it ended last time between these two. <laughs> so, Slade's gone for a little walk in the docks to meet a man that he's never heard of before. The, the man in a flasher jacket with a gun. Oh, yeah. The Irish flasher. <laughs> um, very well filmed, I, I think. Is nice, you know, yeah. With him being in the shadows. Yeah. Shot at night, very nice lighting. A lot of these scenes are very nicely lit and there's a lot of like atmosphere. Like There's a few scenes throughout the series that are nice at night. Not so great on the, the old extra foley sound effects <laughs> no. of a cat Meow! and some bats going. I like this. I wish there was a bit more of this in the series. I think it yeah. would be the bit of action. The action we do get is pretty good. Um, mm. I like it. I like this. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, there's a lot of atmosphere and suspense. Shadow Man's got a gun. And um, Slade yeah. pulls his gun as well. Yeah, because back in 1997, we all had guns, didn't we? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot like 
I don't think there's any bit really in it, maybe except for this, where Slade needs to have a gun. It's not, like, vital to the plot, is it? No, but I guess he needs it here so he can... But he's got it, yeah, he's got to have it. I mean, he could have, if he didn't have one, let's say there was a tussle or something, the gun is dropped, Slade picks it up, shoots. It could have still worked, you know, but... Well, he could have tussled with him and banged his head on something and cut his head. Yeah. And, and that may, would have been a bit more obvious, you know, as, as we get into. But fine, you know, make things dramatic. But yeah, there's there's competition on the TV, I'm sure, mm. with other things with guns. Yeah. Anyway, here, there's a few shots at Slade, and Slade shoots back and hits the shadowy man in the shoulder. And then Shadow Man just runs away. Nasty shot as well, yeah. Mm. So back in the station, Slade knows it was Marlowe. He's putting on an accent, but I knew it was him because it was the worst accent in the world. It was Stephen Marlowe. I know it. You didn't see his face. No, but I know it was him. Where's Marlowe now? Morris will still be tailing him. If Morris was tailing him, he would have seen Marlowe attack you last night. Well, maybe he gave Morris the slip. Are you sure you want to bring him in? All right. But for your sake, you had better be right. On your head be it. Grisham always says everything's on Jeff Slade's head. Yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, well, he just saved your skin a couple of episodes back. I know. And, and allowed you to yeah. keep your job. I know he's unorthodox and all that kind of thing, but she should maybe trust him. He makes the odd mistake, but then, you know, so does everybody, Grisham. So we're back at Web Biotech and the gang burst in and he's read his rights by Nicky, weirdly, and looks pretty pleased with himself. <laughs> Oh, he's very smugly reading it, isn't he? Like he's memorised them. You don't have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention something you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Marlowe, do you mind telling me what the hell is going on? Yes, they're mad. This is some sort of obsession. Where were you last night at one o'clock? None of your damn business. How's your shoulder? What? Which shoulder was it, Slade? Definitely this one. What are you talking about? According to Slade, he wounded you last night in the right shoulder. Well, that's easy enough to disprove. Would you mind? So, Marlowe just strips, well, <laughs> gets his shoulder out. Yeah, very weird. Um, and there is no wound. Very Scooby-Doo, this, isn't it? It's very... <laughs> it was you! Slade looks very embarrassed. There is so much egg on his face. <laughs> they burst in, all gung-ho, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always feel very embarrassed by proxy when I see things like this. I'm like, yeah. oh no, it's all gone wrong, Slade. <laughs> but it's good. He's sort of like looking like, oh no, but he has to have been shot. This can't be right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Jeff can't at this point already be kind of thinking, maybe this guy is like me and Holly, you know, and, and, and has. He must be thinking something along those lines. He has to be. Yeah, he's a bit slow on the uptake, even later on when there's more evidence. But, yeah, so they take him in anyway to be interviewed. I thought I hit him, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I was wrong. It was very dark. He was moving, you know. He could have been wearing a protective vest. Maybe you're wrong about more than just the bullet. It was his voice on the phone. I know it. He was trying to disguise it, but I know it was him. He still doesn't have an alibi. Chief! Uh, this just came in. What is it, Frank? Routine check on Marlow, Chief. At that second, Frank runs in with two watertight alibis. <laughs> Got the newspaper man and the policeman. They both saw Marlowe. A newspaper seller called John Burford 
ID'd Marlowe in Knightsbridge at the time of Hayward's death. And a policeman called Munns remembers giving him directions in Weybridge. At exactly the same time, Chapman was killed. Maybe he's got a twin. No, maybe you've got a twin, Slade. Yeah, maybe there was two of you. Think about it, mate. Yeah, maybe Morris's entire case rested on that that time. Well, now Jeff knows how Morris felt. Yeah. Going a little bit crazy. You know, like... Morris had a mental breakdown because of you being in two places at once. Again, Grisham's just going, what? no, don't be silly. As if twins are impossible. Um, Marlowe says that he was with Holly. And this is the point where you can see Jeff. And again, it's fantastic acting on Michael French's part. You can see Jeff break. You know, yeah. kind of like look very sad. Why don't you ask Holly where I was last night? It's true. We left the restaurant at 11 and then went back to Stephen's house. I didn't want to tell them, Holly. Really, I didn't. We talked for a few hours, mainly about Stephen's work, and then I left about 2.30. And he was in your sight the entire time? Yes, Chief. I mean, it turns out they just talked, according to Holly. Do you reckon that's the case? Um, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, because of what happens later. And Grisham then apologises. Yeah, sorry, Marlowe, mate. Yeah, you can go now. Sorry about that. But Marlowe's not happy about that. He says he's going to get some lawyers. Yeah. And Jeff's going to be hearing from his lawyers. He said, you embarrass me in front of my boss. You barge in here. You arrest me. And then Holly looks very upset here and runs after Marlowe. So Slade is in the shit. Uh, and Morris then says, nice work, Slade. Slade. Yeah, nice. And yeah, Grisham's like, oh, you type a report up to the commissioner. Oh. Yeah, remember last week, Grisham? Oh, that's interesting. What was that the commissioner that came to see you, Kate Grisham, last week? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes we put all our eggs in one basket, don't we? <laughs> For right or wrong. Well, I think that's the nature of being a detective. So uh, the fact that she gets <laughs> just throws him under the bus every 10 seconds, I would be annoyed <laughs> if I was slayed a little bit. I'd be like, no. <laughs> I don't think she's a good boss. (laughs) Holly goes to stop Marlowe as he's storming off. Mm. Stephen! I don't think we should talk anymore, Holly. Look, Slade didn't mean it personally. It's just sometimes he gets ideas into his head. Yeah, well, his ideas are going to land him up in court. Don't do that. I have to. He publicly humiliated me. Look, about what you were saying last night. I want to take you up on your offer. I want to come in with you. I'm not sure that's still an option. It is an option. Look, there's something back in my flat I've got to show you. Come on. Yeah, and right, she really has turned here, hasn't she? She's turned her back Mm. on Jeff and kind of said, I've got something to show you. Frank overhears it, the dirty man. He (laughs) is very, very excited. Oh, I thought Slade and Holly was going to get together. Oh, no, I can't believe it. Yeah, Holly's obviously just like, I can't deal with this bloody workplace anymore. I've got to do something else with my life. Yeah, I see a point. Um, She goes back to the flat with Marlo and bumps into our favourite person, Danny. Who freaks out (laughs) at seeing Marlo again. Like he's a celebrity. Wait, I know you. You. Hi, Holly. Hi, Danny. Hi, how are you? You're... You used to work with a professor. Stephen Marlowe. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Marlowe, yeah. Good to see you again after all this time. Good, Good to see you. Hey! <laughs> ah. 
Marlowe, like, obviously doesn't remember Danny. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. No, very one-sided, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. I don't know if we've ever mentioned um, the sombrero that's in Danny's cupboard. <laughs> and he's got a few things yeah. in there, but I don't know if we mentioned that. Just hanging well, on. I'm not sure if we've mentioned another episode. I-, I suspect he's stolen all of these things, hasn't he? <laughs> so Holly's making a big mistake here, I think, and shows Marlowe the time machine. Yeah. And, and Marlowe's very impressed. I don't believe it. It can't be. This is a time machine. You've done it. You've actually done it. <sighs> Did you build it? No, my father built it. I just added on to it. I don't know what to say. It's incredible. Does it work? Yes, it works. But Heath Robinson, some of these circuits are 20 years old. It works, Stephen. Holly kind of mentions that she can't do anything. It's not going to work because of the broken crystal, which... Marlowe offers to replace. Um, he uses um, a phrase. Did you pick up on this? It's only a quick thing, but it, when he's looking at the time machine, I'm going, oh, that's fantastic. He uses the phrase, it's a bit Heath Robinson. Have you heard of that phrase before? I haven't. No, I haven't. And what's Heath Robinson? No. And do you know what? Weirdly, I've heard it a couple of times since, but it's slang. It's used to describe a machine that's very cleverly made and is complicated in a silly or humorous way, but has no practical use. Huh. And it comes from William Heath Robinson, who was an early 20th century cartoonist, well known for humorous illustrations of fantastical inventions involving a large number of components, often in order to achieve a very simple purpose. Yes, I was looking at some of the pictures now. Heath Robinson contraption, so it's very OTT. I mean, I guess like Wallace and Gromit inventions would count as the same thing. That Yeah, I'm looking at them now, they Wallace and Gromit. All those pulleys and levers just to like... Make some toast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, but he says it so quickly, I don't know whether who would have picked up on that really. I've never heard of it. It's a bit Heath Robinson. It's, it's, a, it's a very specific but exactly correct phrase to use. So yeah, Marlowe says they can work together to finish the machine. So it turns out, I think Holly mentioned it earlier, that the length of the photon rods equals control of the timeline. Yes. Uh, But she hasn't had the money or the wherewithal to actually lengthen these photon rods and do whatever it needs to actually be able to go exactly back to a predetermined time. She shows Marlowe the broken crystal. Good job as well, because Marlowe basically got loads of resources I've got loads of crystals. Come with me, Hull. Yeah, I've got tons of them in my car. Hey, where should we start? Oh my God. Then, so it was all going so well, Marlowe. Then you decided to seal the deal with a very horrible, awful, unprovoked kiss. And she is not happy. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Sorry, I've, I've just got another email. How dare you? It says, I'll, I'll read that later. Um, <laughs> he pulls Holly into an embrace and kisses her. And... I've watched this clip over and over again because her face <laughs> goes through so many different expressions of like anger, confusion, sickness, shock. Yeah. Well done, isn't it? <laughs> Love right. it. Yeah, she's not happy with him trying to get it on. Mm. I mean, what does he think here is going to happen that she's going to embrace him? Like, if she had embraced him, do you think that would have changed? Would would have changed what is about to happen? D- to be honest, I think she probably should have uh, dramatically. She should have reciprocated because that would have made us a bit unsure as to where her loyalties lay. But at the moment, it's just like, oh no, I'm a bit creeped out by it. 
So what does that mean? Yeah, at the moment we're kind of like, oh, wait, she doesn't no. like him, so no. why should we care? But she'll work with him anyway. So, Jeff, this is where Jeff's <laughs> typing yeah, this... the report. Just like episode one. Mm, it is. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Morris hates Slade now because yeah. he's ruined everything. <laughs> but Morris also gets a, a nice funny line, a quip, something naturally clever. I fired and hit him in the shoulder. Are you sure about that? Do you mind? I thought you'd actually shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Which is a good quip. Morris has slightly the upper hand for once. That's a bit more like he was like in episode one, like we thought he was going to be. Yeah, a bit more bullish. More like taking him down a peg or two and stuff. Not, not. Yeah, and, and taking the mickey of it, not a complete idiot. Do you know what? There's a... I only realised today, there's a close-up of what he's typing on the report, and it wasn't good enough quality to pause it because I was looking at it on YouTube. Mm. But I saw the word tobacco, so presumably it's, it is actually typed up properly, of like, this is what happened, and blah, blah, blah. I was down the tobacco docks. Well, it must be, yeah. But I'll have to look at it properly. Yeah. Uh, and then Nikki, again like episode one. Nikki kind of comes over and says, oh, bad luck, Slade. I'm sure the commissioner will be more sympathetic. Yeah, thanks. You should at least get one month's full pay, and it won't affect your pension. <laughs> That's like episode one as well. The pullback and reveal. Sort of, Don't worry, Slade, you'll get your pension. <laughs> so it's Morris here that kind of says, I was outside Web Biotech, and my car went crazy, my electrics went crazy, I've got to go and get my car checked out. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so the, yeah, this is, we've obviously, we saw it earlier in the episode with the police cars, but we yeah, we saw it. When was it? Yeah, it was in an early episode outside the flat. Oh, it's when he was doing his AC-12 investigation, yeah. Yes. And he was outside Holly's. Where are you going? Out. Got to get my car checked over. Why? And this morning when I was watching Marlowe, it went crazy. Really? The radio on and off, windscreen wipers, even the cigarette lighter, all the electrics. Morris, where were you when this happened? Outside, web, whatever it is. And that's it. Jeff knows what's happening here. Yeah. Oh, and his detective skills kick in, don't they? Slade, you can see a <laughs> twinkle in his eye. Of course. Yeah, so it's exactly like in the previous episode where it makes all the electrics go. I think that's a good little funny little side effect, isn't it? But it helps here to flag up exactly what is happening. That's what time travel does. Well, it ties it all together, doesn't it? It's one of the rare occurrences where the series is linked together a bit. I mean, a lot of these episodes are a bit standalone. Yeah. So it's nice to get a bit of a tie-in, isn't it? Good writing. Yeah, it's a little seed that's been planted earlier in the series that's paying off now. Yeah. So obviously this is the last episode. Yeah. And therefore, various scenes are going to be people's last appearances. This is where we start losing characters. So that was Morris's last appearance in Crime Traveller. He's off to the garage and we never see him again. Aww. Which is a bit of a load to go out on. Maybe, you know, obviously they would have assumed that they were going to carry on his story at a later date, but that was him. He's gone. That was the complete character arc. Uh, to me, there's not a lot unanswered with Morris. I mean, he's no. <laughs> dumb. Morris's journey has come to an end in this episode. Uh, I'm afraid that's his arc. Oh. So, yeah, there's, from this point on, we're saying a lot of goodbyes to people. Yeah, we are. Little did they know at the time. Well, I, I suspect at this point, you know, they probably were all under the impression that this is going to be really successful. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You've got to think with the star and the cast that's there, they must have thought to at least get two series. It's very rare mm. for a series to be one and done. Yeah, and especially one that, as we'll find out later, sets up continuing adventures. Um, Ooh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Sorry. 
So Morris leaves to go to the garage. Yeah. Um, and now Jeff has put two and two together. And for the first time in a long time, kind of got four, which is really <laughs> good detective work, as I say. Four dimensions. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's a whole conversation with Nikki about what's going on. And it gives Nikki a lot of information, you know, to do with time. And Nikki seems quite knowledgeable about it. Yeah. You know, which is weird. I was looking at it again today and it just, it kind of stood out. I thought, oh yeah, he's talking to him as if Nikki knows about time travel stuff. Almost. When Chapman was run over, he wasn't just pointing to her arm, he was pointing to her watch. What? He wanted to ask her the time? No, Nikki, he, want, he wanted to tell her about time. Time is what this is all about. Of course, because he was working on a synchrotron. Synchrotrons are something to do with time dilation. Which I looked up and my brain melted a bit, but it is true. <laughs> Interesting. So that is genuine, in which case it means that Holly must have had conversations with Nicky. Or, or he's into looking things up in books, isn't he? You know, he's a bit of a bookworm. So maybe he's just looked it up. Do you know what? I would have liked it if Nicky had been in on it to a degree. Not, not travelling around, but just because he's a boffin. And and also, I think it could be an interesting thing in the series, like Nikki almost letting it slip, but keeping the secret, you know. I agree. And, and there was an opportunity for that, wasn't there, really? Yeah. You know, when Holly and Nikki had to rescue Jeff because he lost the watch, you know, in the previous episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was. And I think there would have been the perfect opportunity for Holly to kind of let Nikki mm. in on what was going on. I mean, would he be able to keep the secret? That's the thing. He is a bit of a mouth, isn't he? So, Well, this is what I mean. It'd be funny, though. That probably would have been funnier than, yeah. than what they were doing. Um, yeah, good shout. Yeah. Anyway, we'll never know, because that's Nikki's final scene. <laughs> Goodbye, Nikki. Uh, Goodbye forever. Goodbye, Nikki. I think sometimes I forget to mention that Nikki is one of the best actors uh, of all time. Indeed. The other day I was at a car boot and I bought the Chronicles of Narnia Collector's Edition DVD. Oh, nice one. Okay. Just because he's in it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's in a couple of them, isn't he? I already had it on DVD because I'd found it before, but that was just a single disc. But this was like some sort of massive collector's edition. So I think Crown Traveller has certainly meant that we have kept a lookout for these things mm. that I honestly wouldn't look for before. Mm. So yeah, love Nicky. Yeah. Farewell, Nicky. Um, so yeah, then Frank dobs in Holly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Frank. Um, Holly and Stephen Marlowe, they left about an hour ago. Do you know where they were going? Yeah. Look, I overheard them talking. She was going to take him back to her flat. There was something she wanted to show him. Oh, no. That's what she said. <laughs> he says it really concerned. Like, there's something she wanted to show him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the underlying current there is that it's sexual, isn't it? I yeah, mean, like, Frank's been dreading telling Jeff that. Anyway, that's a wrap for Jack Chiswick and Frank. Goodbye, my old China plate! So, Slade goes to Sundown Court, finds Danny, asks where Holly is. Yes, he does. Yeah. And it's Danny that gives the info. Yeah. Slade doesn't even get out of the car, does he? Just straight off again. Danny, have you seen Holly? I'm afraid you're too late, mate. She left about an hour ago. Was she on her own? Oh, so you know about it, then. Stephen Marlowe. Used to be around here all the time five years ago. Lovely chat. I was amazed to see them together again. They left together? Yeah. In his car? Those I think I didn't see. I'm sure you don't have to worry about it, Jeff. They're just friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're just friends. 
I know everyone's really concerned about this romance. I know, it's, it's a terrible romance. And it's a shame, really. I think I said this before, you know, it's a shame that the relationship wasn't turned up as much. Mm. But maybe it's not. Maybe maybe people were sick of that. I'm not sure. I know it's a bit route one, isn't it? But it's quite interesting to have threaded that throughout as well. Yeah. Opposites attract and all that. Oh, anyway, in all the excitement, we've missed Danny's final scene. I know. So many people just gone, gone, gone. <laughs> They're dropping like flies now. Well, this is it. We're getting into quite an action-driven sequence coming up, aren't we? You know, this last half hour. Yeah, we're focusing in on the two leads now, aren't we? So. Yeah, exactly. This is very much Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Morris will not be returning from the garage for the rest of his life. Um. So this is where we see Holly and Marlow driving, isn't it? Across town. Yeah, she asks where they're going. Well, I'll tell you exactly where they're going. Past Hot House again. Oh, right, okay. So it's the same area. I don't know if they're meant to be, but that's... I thought I recognised those buildings, and then there we go. You can see it. Oh, 88 to 90. Now, Danny said earlier that they left about an hour ago. Cut to them driving past Pizza Express, which in real life is about an hour away from Holly's flat. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it is real time, which is nice. Yeah. You know, just in case people 25 years later um, were yeah. thinking to do a podcast and look up where these things were. Yeah. But yeah, so they're driving to this facility. Specialist facility. Yeah. Holly's a bit suspicious going, well, we're heading out of town now. We're, we're literally 50 minutes away from my house. Mm. Go straight on. We're heading out of town. That's right. What's going on? Where are we going? What? Just keep driving. We're nearly there. At which point, Marlowe pulls his knob out. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Holly's expression is like he has. Yeah. If you could cut that expression and he just has his penis out, it's exactly the he same <laughs> shocked look. <laughs> yeah, she does a little double take. <laughs> no, Marlowe pulls out a gun. He does. And it's the most hilarious scene ever. He looks a bit like Parker from Thunderbirds at, at this point. I don't know whether it's the way the gun <laughs> raises from the bottom of the scene. It's just very <laughs> odd, like it's a puppet. Like it's being pulled up by a string, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all of a sudden he's pulling a gun on Holly. Just drive. Well, she was. <laughs> yeah. You can't do any more. Bizarre. So Marlowe's a baddie. He is. And we, you know, up to this point, we kind of knew, yeah. you know, he hasn't been painted in the best light, has he? But no. this is kind of the, the reveal, isn't yeah. it? That he is definitively. It's the reveal, unless you clicked on the thumbnail of the episode on YouTube. Yes. Okay. Or I think there's a DVD release even that's got him holding a gun on the front. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was as soon as I started looking at this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. So it was never a surprise for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it was a reveal if you watched it back in 1997. Yeah. So, Holly is now being kidnapped, forced to drive to this facility that she was driving to anyway. Then we cut to Slade already arriving at the the actual lab, isn't it, that they've been to before? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Web bio, bio, bio tech. Oh, and we get a little bit of action here, don't we? Yeah. Where Jeff just jumps a fence like a, <laughs> like a steed. Yeah, I've written that vaults over a wall after parking at a 45-degree angle over about four bays. <laughs> Screeching into position. Yeah, his parking's not great, yeah. is it? No. <laughs> um, yeah, proper jumps it over. And he heads straight for that door, that locked door. I bet he's been thinking about that ever since. 
And yeah, inside, ba ba ba. He finds a brand new refined time machine. And yeah. <laughs> let me just say, this thing is spectacular. Who designed this? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff realizes what it is straight away. Well, you can't not, can you? I mean, it's quite, you know. It doesn't look anything like Holly's one. The main thing is that it's got tits for controls. Yes. And boy, does Jeff know how to use them. He presses these little squeezy boobs, and then a woman goes, Oh, yeah. Auto initiation set. Auto initiation set. System open. System open. Enter time coordinates. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. 90 minutes. 90 minutes. 120 minutes. Processing. Processing. Initiate time travel. This looks like it was designed by Apple, doesn't it? It's very white and very bright and very curvy, I suppose is the word. Yeah, a little bit too futuristic, I think, for the rest of the series. Yes. Now we are properly in sci-fi world, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I think they've just cranked it up. You know, this room that it goes into is very much like the inside of the TARDIS now. Exactly. Um, Because we've been talking about how much we like the actual time machine, the cobbled together bits of it. Sure. And the quote-unquote reality of Holly's one, with all these little bits fused together and things. Yeah. This one is literally just a fully designed, futuristic, speaking as well, (laughs) time machine. Hello, I am a time machine. And Jeff annoyingly repeats everything that the machine says. Back to it. Yeah. Every single thing. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Initializing. Initializing. <laughs> Selection. It's really weird. Selection. Maybe this was because when it was filmed, the voice was maybe wasn't there. And then in post-production, they've added in this robot voice. So it just makes Jeff look mental. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah, maybe he was just reading a screen originally. But yeah, I don't know. I've yeah, not thought of that. He seems to know what he's doing. <laughs> I wouldn't know what those things did. Just <laughs> Well, he seems a bit surprised to go back. Um, but... It tells him that. So I was a bit confused. I was like, oh, is that because maybe... Well, yeah, because he's, he's got it, because he's worked it out. I think he's, that's what he's surprised about, that, he, that he's actually... Yeah, because it, it actually worked. Maybe that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. quite right. And uh, I think Marlowe mentioned earlier in the episode about length of photon rods and being able to pick how long you go back for. Now this new machine, you can pick exactly how long you're going back for. But yeah, how Jeff figured that out by just <laughs> fondling some... <laughs> squidgy little domes. I don't know. Well, I mean, we've all done that, haven't we? We'll press some buttons on things we don't know what it does and go, oh, we'll see. Yeah, buttons is one thing, but there, there's nothing here. There's no clue. I suppose the seriousness of this is this is going to send you back in time. But he is playing with it like it is a toy. He's still <laughs> a bit like, whatever. This will be a good laugh, won't it? Mm. So there is that. He, he's certainly not taking it too seriously. I mean, good on him for figuring it all out. And also... There's a couple of things I noticed, and one, we get a new, slightly updated time travel photocopier effect. It's quite nice. It goes a bit like hexagonal, it goes crisscross yes. over and things, it's it, nice. Yeah, it does it differently, doesn't it? A bit of a bit of a pull-out shot, see it do yeah. something a little bit different, lights up differently. I thought that was really nice. But there's no, um, like in Holly's flat, where they have to shut all the windows and things, then doors, there's no circuit in this one. So he actually is time travelling with those doors he's kicked in, they're open. So I don't know what that's doing to the universe. I mean, that's uh, probably a bit of an error on everyone's <laughs> everyone's part. Yeah, wide open. Um, and it's a little digital clock that comes out, not even a watch. 
Oh, it's a lot nicer, isn't it? I don't think he wears it as a watch, does he? He doesn't put it on his wrist, does he, that thing? It's massive. No, yeah, I think so. I don't think it is a watch. I'm going to remind you of something that I think about a lot. Do you remember those alarm clocks that you got with raisin wheats in the 90s? Yes, yes. Yeah. They were like a little white thing. You pulled it apart and then there was the clock in the middle. Yes. It reminded me of that, that thing he picks up. <laughs> yeah. Raisin in the middle. Kellogg's raisin splits. Raisin in the middle. You're going to like it then. Raisin in the middle. New Kellogg's raisin splits. So this raisin watch is in quite a flimsy little plastic tray that he pulls out. <laughs> It's like one of those ice cube trays, isn't it? You know, that you make, well, ice cubes in. Uh, or you make the, the chocolate trays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, like Go make some chocolates. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's gone back two hours. Yeah, that's good. He's picked it 120 minutes. And, of course, when he runs out, clever, his car's not there. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, this, isn't it? Because it hadn't been parked yet. <laughs> well, it wasn't parked the first time, technically. But yeah. He's like, no. No. So instead, quick flash of the badge. <laughs> he assaults someone. Uh... Where's the car? Oh, of course. Police. Sorry, sir. I need your car. Thank you very much indeed. My car. It's a company car. I've not looked up the legality of this, whether police officers are allowed to just commandeer somebody's vehicle. Well, yeah, interesting. I shouldn't think so. Um. (laughs) There is no law that says you have to hand over your vehicle or bike, but you could technically be prosecuted for obstructing an officer in the execution of their duty, like time travel. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, -hmm. mean, this is quite serious, so probably would get let off in the end. Um, Regardless, it's a it's a BMW, isn't it? That he, that is he it? It's a company uh, car. <laughs> the guy shouts. Yeah, yeah. And he's off, um, and he's back at Sundown Court just in time to see Holly and Marlowe leave the first time. Yeah, so he's now trailing them. And I thought here, I thought, I mean, it probably would have been a bit complicated to write, but it would have been nice if Danny had saw him here before this bit. Oh, if earlier he'd gone, oh, Jeff, you're back. Did you find them or something like that? Yes. <laughs> Exactly right. But you know, I. So what? You, me? No. Um. <laughs> Maybe a bit complicated and a bit of a cliche, but I think it would have been nice to do something yeah. along those lines. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So we go back. Yeah. We go back. Basically, we get a flashback of something that happened about three or four minutes ago. <laughs> so we see Holly and Marlowe leaving again. Just just there, just waiting. And we see all the other bits like, where are we going? Pulling the gun, just drive. It's that puppet scene again, isn't it? Where he looks like Parker. Yes, my lady. <laughs> are we going to Earth? Uh, no, not now. Where? We're going to one of my facilities. I think you might find it a bit of a surprise. We've got everything you could possibly need. This is going to be wonderful. The, the music in these episodes, I think I might have mentioned before, but I'm just saying it just in case, um, is like different in every episode. There's a different theme running through hmm. and in this one there's a lot of bongos going on in the background that's Nicky Nicky's doing that he's in yeah. the back seat <laughs> yeah he can now he's off duty <laughs> um, so yeah bongo action and then we see yeah the gun being pulled again but interestingly for some reason they've used a different take of it <laughs> we're heading out of town that's I was like that's not Pizza Express <laughs> <What's happening? laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it it reminded me of Back to the Future so. oh it's like yeah yeah <laughs> When they tried and 
redo it. Yeah, like you go, oh, this is strangely familiar, but not. Yeah, yeah but it's Michael J. Fox's hair's grown, and <laughs> that's a different actor. But in this case, it's been three or four minutes, as you say. Yeah, we don't need to see it again. We knew it happened, so it could yeah. have just been more of him following the car. Yeah. That would have been fine, um, and then get getting to where it needs to get to. Yes, then Jeff's uh, journey is impeded by a van reversing out. Which has a lot of time references on it. Like, time is running out. Yeah, time to take a break. Time, time, time. Which happens a lot in this show. Specifically, I'm thinking of when um, Jeff's dad escaped under that laundry van. That said time on it, didn't it? You mean Jeff's dad, who we've never heard of since? Not even been mentioned, yeah. But yeah, there was something about, like, laundry time, two hours, it said, or something like that. Mm. And there was a big close-up of that time. I've listened to a couple of other Crime Traveller-related podcasts because there's about ten of them (laughs) for some reason, all happening at once. But this particular group suggested that all these references to time might have been, like, messages from the future or, like, something set up, like Bad Wolf, you know. I mean, that's an interesting theory. Spread through time. Would have been nice to have something... I think... Personally, it was just uh, the production team patting themselves on the back. <laughs> just going, oh, yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> to put yeah, like the there. police box, you know, all of that. It's just because, yeah. oh, it's a nice little reference. Haha, <laughs> isn't it funny? Yeah. I get it if, like, you Jeff know. was trying to change time and then something stopped him and said time in front of it. Like, the universe is literally speaking to him. But in this case, <laughs> it's just it's just a little nod, isn't it, I think? Yeah, good theory, but wrong. Uh, Although he doesn't, he still he doesn't know what has happened yet. So he's exactly he's just giving himself a bit of a head start in finding out, hasn't he? We get we get a right bit of road rage. He's so angry. So we see Marlowe pull up with Holly at the biotech storage facility, which just looks like a big freezer warehouse, doesn't it? Yeah, where they store meat and takes her inside. You know, Holly. I'm genuinely sorry about this. I'm very attracted to you. Khakis? Thank you. Why are you doing this? I'd have thought that was obvious. Time travel. It's the most astounding discovery since... Well, whenever. Whoever puts their name to it is going to go down in history. And think of the money. Billions. And why should I share that with you? In you go. And then, you know, for all of us, it's kind of like, oh, that's why he killed those before. Yeah. You know, he killed exactly. everyone else. Now it's Holly's turn to die. Mm. So this is maybe where it could have changed instead of earlier with the gun, but I don't know. I think without the gun earlier, there would have been such a race against time for Jeff from the viewer's point of view. No, exactly. They need a bit of tension, don't they? And Yeah. What better way to give tension than show a scene twice? <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> As they're going in, there's a bit of clunky blocking, I think, because Marlowe puts the code in the door to go in to the building, and he opens mm-hmm. the door, and then Holly's just blocked by it, and has to like, squeeze around it and go in. That could have been ironed out a bit. but So he ties Holly's hands together with a cable tie. Yep. Do you know what? I didn't know they existed back then. I always think they're a really recent invention. But... You've got a time machine, haven't you? That's how you knew about the photon rods. Yes. That's how it works. I can be in two places at once. Two time zones. And when I finish with you here... You can travel back and give yourself the perfect alibi. Just like you did with Hayward and Chapman. Exactly. What is this place? I told you, it's one of our facilities. 
Sometimes it's necessary to flash freeze samples of viruses. In you go. You're going to leave me here? Well, I couldn't possibly shoot you. Not the way I feel about you. And this will be completely painless. Like going to sleep. It'll only take a couple of minutes. Maybe I prefer to be shot. Oh, please. I was going to say... There isn't much of a fight that Holly puts no. up here. You know, maybe it's because she feels a bit helpless, but normally she would. And if you knew you were going to be put in there potentially to your death, you'd probably do a bit more fighting back. She doesn't seem to have an ulterior plan for how to escape. She just does... It's like, oh, right, I'm in the freezer now. Which is interesting, isn't There's it? There's no, like, distracting him or looking round to see if she can maybe shove him in the freezer and then run away or anything like that. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. I guess I'll just wait for Jeff. Yeah, almost <laughs> as if she knew Jeff will be along any moment. Which is interesting to think that maybe she did have that in her head to think maybe Jeff will come because mm. he is a nosy git that can't stay out of anybody's <laughs> business. And he loves to use time machines without any permission. So, yeah, yeah sure, he, <laughs> sure he's going to show up. Just want to say, during this time, Jeff has lost track of Marlo and Holly and he gets just a little bit frustrated, you know, with not being able to find them. It's a bit, it's almost comical, you know. Um, if it wasn't meant to be so serious. <laughs> so, yeah, Marlo blows a little kiss to her and drives away but luckily Slade spots Holly's car yeah. with no Holly in it and pieces it together and turns into the facility yeah she'd have been a luck really you know yeah. if you hadn't saw that that's it she'd have been dead so mm. hmm. um, so Jeff pulls in parks fantastically as always uh, <laughs> yeah he parks over three bays I think this presumably secure facility has one open door <laughs> He's got two locked doors. Oh, how am I ever going to get in? Oh, this one. Bit like Goldilocks. Not open, not open. Oh, this is fine. Oh, okay. Not very secure. Nicky's still on the bongos in the background. He's getting a bit overexcited. Goes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. I just want to mention that this kind of warehouse that they're in does look a bit like a scene from Bugs. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Doesn't it? That sort of gritty, industrial-ish... 90s or Red Dwarf or something like that. It's that sort of warehousey feel, and especially the way it's shot. It's kind of shot. Yeah, from... levels, gantries, um, yes, ventilation ducts, all that kind of thing. I guess like the industrial zone from Crystal Maze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Richard O. Dempsey playing the bongos in the background. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Holly's already locked in, isn't she? So get her, get her out. Oh dear, darling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to leave you. <laughs> Leave you did that. I I did just love that in Crystal Maze, you know, the old the older Crystal Maze. Because Richard O'Brien was a little bit more savage, you know, when people yeah. get locked in and be a bit oh, more like, great. oh well, who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas when it got to the more modern ones now, you know, Richard Iwadi is a bit more understanding. Oh, yeah. is well, he? I've not seen that many of the recent ones. Um, but yeah, I used to think Richard O'Brien <laughs> was very savage and very funny and yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about Ed Tudorpol. Do you know what? I was looking at a few of his. He's fine. He's fine. He's like he's all right. And also, I think he's just mad anyway. So that's just his personality, isn't it? I mean, he had a great song it, once. So it comes across a little bit like, oh, I'm trying to be a bit like Richard O'Brien, but that is just who he is. So perfect. Yeah, exactly. He's got that punk attitude. And I did always like that crossover intro that they did when Richard O'Brien left the keys to the maze to him. Yeah, exactly. And he rode off, and then Ed Tudor Pole came and found the letter. It's great. I love that kind of thing. A bit of continuity. Yeah, it's always going to be really hard to to follow up on someone like Richard O'Brien. So, yeah, maybe maybe don't be so hard on on individuals. Isn't that right, Nicky? <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, Graham Traveller, Slade finds Holly. Hang on. 
Slip. <laughs> Slade finds Holly, who's put on a nice shade of blue lipstick and uh, oh yeah, white foundation. She's off to see Sisters of Mercy. That's what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, okay, I don't know what I would do in this situation with a locked door that's on a mag lock with an alarm next to it, but he picks up a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's going to put that through the window and open it from the inside up. No, he gets the <laughs> gets the fire extinguisher, bashes a bit of metal off the side of the door, and then uses that to prise open the door. But I've never tried to prise open a mag lock door, but isn't the point of it that you can't do it? <laughs> I know you don't. You probably don't play a lot of like games and stuff, but it does seem like one of those fetch quest type things. You know, <laughs> go and get the uh, the piece of metal from outside the room. Use it on the box. Get the yeah. spanner from the box. You know, it's just like just what? You just smash the window. <laughs> just smash the window. <laughs> but actually, I cut him some slack today because I thought, well, actually, if he does smash the window, he still probably won't be able to open the door. It's not like a door handle on the other side. I don't think. So no, fine. No. It's a maglock. And a bolt and everything, so, yeah. So he does that and he gets in. Now, I just wanted to say, I know it's a cold storage room, but he finds like a pair of scissors or something, doesn't he, to cut yeah. it down with. And that is very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> you th- you would have thought Marlo would have took all of that away. Mm. You know, God, make sure there's nothing sharp in here that she can use to escape. That is lucky because there's no other way of really getting um, a zip tie off, is there? No, exactly. You, you need a pair of scissors or a yeah. knife. Snip. Done. It's an oversight on Marlowe's part, really is, considering he's meant to be quite intelligent. Oh, well. So they hobble out, and Holly works out that Slade has time-travelled because he can't have possibly worked it out (laughs) any other way. Come on, there's the car. How did you find me? You couldn't have found me. You've time-travelled. Yeah. With his machine. No, it wasn't his machine. Chapman and Haywood built it. He sits her down in this car. I'll see what's in the back. Wait, bearing in mind this isn't his car. It's the other guy's car. Just gets like a grotty little dog blanket out of the boot. (laughs) This is how I looked at the weekend. You know, we we went to a festival and it rained. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So it really was like this. Get a blanket on and you just look. She just looks like she's been um, at a festival. Yeah. Rigor mortis is setting almost. Um, It's so cold. And then, yeah, and then Slade explains everything to Holly, which is a nice way around of doing it. You shot him? Yes, whilst he was time-travelling. So when he got back to the present, the wounds had cleared up. Okay? How long have you got? What? Did he have to be back at the machine? <sighs> Twelve minutes. Why do you always think it's so Slade explains everything. He explains all about time travel, doesn't he? And about how Marlowe's gunshot wound healed up when he travelled back to the present. Yeah. Which is, again, another thing that was set up way back, wasn't it? That's really paid off. I think he feels a bit hard done by that people think he was a liar. And I think he just wants to reassure everyone, even when Holly's on the brink of death, that, listen, I'm a really good guy. And I did really shoot him in in the shoulder and tried to kill him. Um... The the watch the watch or the thing goes off, yeah. doesn't it? To say that he's got twelve minutes left. Jeff and Holly have a bit of a chuckle here, and he's just like, "No, I'll die so funny." Twelve minutes. I won't <laughs> he does another one of his funny noises. How long have you got left? Yeah. <laughs> uh, twelve minutes. 
Why do you always leave it so tight? She says. Oh, sorry, Holly. Does he really say 12 minutes at this point? Because he, he added two hours, didn't he? Yeah, 12 minutes. What's he been doing and for Holly the last... <laughs> went to Pizza Express. Oh, he went all the way to Sundown Court, didn't he? So that's about an hour. And then tailing them for another hour back the other way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a round trip. Yeah, it? I think it checks out. Fair enough, Jeff. I think it checks out. Well, 12 minutes. Not long. Go put your foot down. So, <laughs> now we get Grisham in a final scene of the series. Oh, so sad to see Grisham go. She's very upset here, as she has mm. been throughout the entire series. She's getting verbal GBH of the year roll from Webb. Yeah. This man slayed. First of all, he has humiliated my technical director. And now I find he has come back and he has stolen. No, I mean stolen my senior accountant's car. I couldn't stop him. All right. All right, Mr. Webb. I will deal with this personally. I am coming over right now. There was a bit of a telephone voice that was there. Um, yeah, it's not quite like a... But it is like just nonsense. It's really bad. And I really yeah. hate it. And I wish they hadn't done that. And But a lot of a lot of shows do that, don't they? With, but this is a... I've never properly heard this in a serious drama before. What? Unless it's like um, something comedic. Yeah. Um, yeah, Grisham, she does one last slide. Yeah. She says, don't worry, I'm going to deal with this personally. And then we never see her again. So, God knows yeah, what she was going to do. But yeah, she's a proper shakes fist. I like to think she jumped out the window like um, Chris Morris in in the IT crowd. <laughs> <laughs> she just had enough. <laughs> anyway, bye-bye, Grisham. Bye-bye. I know you just said you'd be there to deal with it personally, but uh, you're not. Yeah, gone. Yeah. It's very strange, isn't it, to end, even to end an episode or a series saying, okay, I'll be down right now to deal with it, and then not. not. (laughs) There's no closure to any of this. Anyway. Slade and Holly make it in time, so it can't be that far away. No. We get a three-minute bleep, don't we? Yes, we do. Which Holly recognises. Three minutes? Yep. Looks exactly the same as yours. Confident. Mm. Is that a thing, that it has to beat three minutes? I wonder, actually, if Frederick Turner and Chapman and Haywood were all sort of following the same fundamental principles and things, or somebody else had started designing it and they were both sort of following it and veered off. Or... Well, yeah, I, I like to think it was pulled from the same notes, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah maybe the schematics said alert at this point. Who knows? But yeah, we get the beep anyway, so they've got three minutes exactly. That's fine. They're back. All they need to do is put the little raisin alarm clock in the chocolate tray. <laughs> yeah. Stick it in <laughs> and everything will be fine. Yeah. So that's it. But, oh my God, Marlowe's got there first. With his gun. Yeah. So this is the thumbnail that I saw that I think is the YouTube thumbnail. And also on the DVD package of him holding his gun outside the machine. So spoiling the whole ending, yeah, of course. Completely ruins it, yeah. <laughs> I think I would have thought he was a baddie anyway, if I hadn't have known. Yeah, look at him. I've got a note here that just <laughs> says, in quotation marks, Steve. I had a feeling it was you at the cold store. I think your game's up. 
Steve. I wouldn't say that. Mr. Slade. Well, I've wrote down Mr. Slade, so presumably yeah. he calls him Mr. Slade, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, he goes, are you sure about that, Master Slade? <laughs> yes, he does. It was him all along. Yeah, Jeff worked out immediately that it was you. Ridiculous. So Marlowe threatens Jeff with the loop of infinity. Do you know what happens if you don't get back in the machine? Uh-huh. You get sucked into the loop of infinity. Very convenient for me. It'll be as if you didn't exist at all. I have one and a half minutes. Alternatively, you could take one step forward and I'll shoot you dead. It's your time travelling now. The effect will be the same. Either way, I won't have to dispose of a body. I personally think that the loop of infinity would get sick of Jeff Slade and and chuck him out. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, don't want you for eternity, mate. Yeah, as two people who have looked at Jeff Slade on a loop for the last few years... Yeah, I think it would get a bit much. The podcast of infinity. <laughs> Until now, this is it. This is when we escape the loop. Finished. We're right near the end. Oh my god, nothing more. Um. So yeah, there's so there's a standoff, and then there's a week, a week a bit, week a bit, <laughs> week a bit, <laughs> week a bit. <laughs> Thinking of cereal still. There's a week a bit of the plot here, which is... Um, Just here. When Holly pretends to switch alliances. Yeah. He seems to fall for it, doesn't he? Come with me, we can work together, even though I've just tried to freeze you to death. <laughs> yes, I left you for dead. And blew a sarcastic kiss through a window at you. Don't tell me you really care for this arrogant plod, Holly. You can still come with me. It's a stupid thing for him to say, and it's a stupid thing for him to fall for as well, because of what he's just done. So it's all just going to be a bluff, and she doesn't really sell it as anything else either. Like, if there'd been a massive argument between Slade and Holly, if they weren't friends, if something happened, if they hadn't just been in a car together after he saved her life, there's not enough for the viewer to think that this could be a real possibility. Like, if we'd seen a moment of conflict, she's thinking about the science, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff, it's my life's work. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I've realised that I am in love with him, after all, and not you, Jeff. Nothing like that. She just goes, walks to the other side and stands behind him. See? The first time machine. We can present it to the world together. Stephen. Yeah? She comes in front of him and kicks him in the ghoulies. And yeah, he really yeah. sells it, doesn't he? He really sells that. Yeah. Slade, in the commotion, grabs the gun, tries to grab the gun, and a shot goes off and hits the machine. Yes. This bit's a good bit because there's an actual fist fight, and I don't think we've had a fist fight yet, have we? Properly? No, not properly, no. A couple of good punches. Marlowe gets elbowed in the face. Yeah. Slade, be careful, it's burning out. Slade manages then to travel back, doesn't he? He puts it in the chocolate tray and he gets back. Jeff's basically got to put his watch into an on-fire machine and stand in some flames for a bit. <laughs> uh, but he does, thank God. I don't want to open up this can of worms, but it's one thing at Sundown Court just going, no, why didn't they see themselves when they came back and all that kind of thing. And I've sort of worked that out in my head as some sort of a paradox being sort of held. I know. think I think I know what you're going to say, and I'd prefer if you didn't. 
No, I've got two. <laughs> Look, from time's point of view, Jeff has been on his own and gone back two hours. Yeah. No one's been there. He's kicked in the door two hours. And then when time has gone back to how it was, the machine's on fire, Marlowe's there, Holly's there, bullets, things have been knocked over. I don't know how that works from an objective it, point of view. Is it because it's been shot? Hear me out. Is it because it's been shot and time's not quite right? It can't reset itself. But Marlowe was there before Holly and Slade got in. Marlowe was there sort of setting it up and getting in position with his gun. So that doesn't quite work when there's other people. It's one thing with Holly and Jeff because you can just kind of go, okay, well, there's a paradox. So that original Jeff and Holly are sort of not quite, time hasn't reset itself yet. As soon as you start adding other people, it's a bit complicated, Anthony. Horowitz, that is. Well, and, and yeah, and say it to me. It's um interesting you bring that up because I, you know, I do spend countless nights kind of going. They never see themselves. Yeah, and they go back to the machine. If you start thinking about it too much, it gets a bit. Mm. Yeah, I need to get this off my chest. Then what I've been thinking about. Have you come to any conclusions about that? Because every time anyone writes anything about it or does podcasts about it, I think every single podcast has mentioned this as a weak point. I suppose. We could come up with anything, couldn't we? You know, yeah. that it's... Don't know. Let's hear your theory. Go ahead. I mean, it, it would have worked maybe easier if there was two parts to the machine, like an entry and an exit. So you yes. go into one to travel, and then you go back to another one that's through the back entrance of the flat, something you can sneak round and avoid yourself. But my theory is that while there's two Jeff and Hollies running around, the machine itself is sort of keeping this paradox in place. A bit like what happened in Doctor Who, end of series three, when the Master was bringing all the um, Toclophane back from the future to the present to kill all their own ancestors. Yes. And he'd set the TARDIS up as a paradox machine to keep that paradox in place, hadn't he? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. But then the Master came with his wonderful time machine to bring us back home. But that's a paradox. If you're the future of the human race and you've come back to murder your ancestors, you should cancel yourselves out. You shouldn't exist. And that's the paradox machine. (laughs) My masterpiece, Doctor. A living TARDIS, strong enough to hold the paradox in place, allowing the past and the future to collide in infinite majesty. Okay. And then when Captain Jack shot the TARDIS and destroyed that paradox, everything sort of started resetting itself. So I think the machine works in a similar way to that and holds that paradox in place. And so subjectively, there is only one Jeff and Holly. And do you think that paradox is within that room? Yeah. Well, we've seen in episode five when time resets and um, all the police in it, they sort of fade back in. Yes, Yes, or they exactly. fade out when they travel. And I think that's it, that this sort of secondary timeline is being held over the first one by the machine in a paradox. Then when you put the watch back in, it all converges to one timeline again. So I think because they're the subjects of the time travel, from their point of view, there is just them. No, I like that. And I like the fact that maybe the time machine, both sets, is smart enough to know that that area that it's contained within, it has to keep the people that are travelling safe, you know, not bumping into each other. So it does that thing. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, with Morris's car, we realise that certain effects of the time machine travel out into the street and all that kind of thing. So who's to say that that sort of paradox force field doesn't also extend that far? To ensure that they don't bump into each other and destroy the universe. No, I think that's a good idea. And whether that's a natural phenomenon or something that Frederick Turner's put in place, I don't know. But that's my theory anyway. 
and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, no, I like it. Well, I think that works. I think that answers it, doesn't it? Like I said, anything can be answered if, <laughs> if you're smart enough and figure it out. You know, you go, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I like it. However, it doesn't work here. This is the, <laughs> I don't think it works very well here because there's too much has changed. Anyway, I've only just thought about that now, so I've not really thought that much into it. But No, but it's, it's food for thought, really. Is. But yeah, everything changes from one second to another second. Yeah. So yeah, they grab, they just march Marlow out, and he's under arrest. Yeah, he is. We see Santa Claus again on the stairs, don't we? Oh, here we go. One last look at Webb stomping out, yeah. demanding to know what's going on. There's no time. Please, good change the past. Make it all right. the first time, you can't change the Do you mind telling me what's going on? First I hear a shot, now the alarm's going off. Marlowe's under arrest, Mr. No! Marlowe! Marlowe's protesting, like, oh, I can go back, I can make it all right, I can just let me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And Slade <laughs> says to him, <laughs> first law of time, you can't change the past. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's finally figured it out. He's got the answer. The audacity of Slade to tell that to Marlowe. <laughs> but still, it's true. You can't. It's true. You can't change the past. Well, I think he realised when he couldn't win the lottery, didn't he? AI won 30 quid the other day on the lottery. Oh, wow. Not on the crime traveller numbers, on just some lucky dips, but I was like, okay, okay. Uh, didn't even need time travel. Oh, you don't even need it. But you- I had spent 11 quid on it, so I didn't quite win 30, but you know what I mean? It all adds up. Yeah, it all adds up, doesn't it? That's good, isn't it? So here, Marlowe escapes from Slade's loving arms and runs back, doesn't he, up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and then Santa Claus gets in Jeff's way and blocks him a bit, you know, like, oh, to slow down Jeff so he can't just grab him. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been feasible, would it? Yeah. Webb's useless, isn't he? He's like, wait, wait, don't, uh, and everyone just pushes past him anyway. Yeah, move out the way. Useless. No, I don't know why he's here. I think Marlowe could have been the head of the company. Yeah, exactly. It could have been Marlowe Biotech, and then she could have gone, ooh, like she did with her auntie. Ooh, yeah. I recognise that name. Yeah, weird. I don't know why Webb's there. Because he wasn't even a credible suspect, was he? No. We never thought it was him. Yeah, he complained about the scientist. But anyway, by Webb. Um- <laughs> Webb Biotech. So... Jeff runs after Marlowe and finds him trying to escape in the broken time machine. This scene... This haunts me, this scene. Okay. I remember it from the time specifically, and every time I watch this back, it freaks me out. Yeah. Marlo tries to go back, and there's that weird CGI shot of him putting it in and then repeating. But then there's that scream. Yeah. As he disappears, and it's that scream, I think. He gets sucked into the crystal. I don't know if you noticed, it happens quite quickly, but... Yeah, he does. He gets sucked into the crystal, and that scream is... It genuinely gives me chills. Mm. So, well done. The only thing is, I'm not entirely sure what's happening here. My initial thought was, he's gone into the loop of infinity. Yes. This is it. But he's not actually time-travelled, so he's not back late, but he has initiated time travel, so it could maybe, if it's breaking. And it is on fire. Yeah. It's something like that, isn't it? I imagine the implication was that it was Loop of Infinity stuff, but um, I don't know. Maybe it started a Loop of Infinity, but of course the machine's on fire, so fails. So yeah. that's the scream, him dying. I mean, if you want to be that dark about mm-hmm. it, you know, if you're in the Loop of Infinity, that could just be you're constantly in that loop. But it seems like something else happens here where he actually dies. 
Well, his body. Implodes. Well, I think because yeah, because of the repetition, that implies a loop of sorts. But has he even taken the watch out? He's not late getting back to it. I don't. I don't get it. I, I suppose if the machine didn't break, yeah, he would have been able to go back, presumably. So it is because the machine is breaking and on fire that it doesn't allow him to go back. Interesting, yeah, theory. Anyway, Slade runs in after he's disappeared mm-hmm. and grabs something, but it's quite badly edited, this bit. It's very quick. Yeah, There's is. different angles. He runs in and then cowers and then runs out again. So you quote-unquote can't see what he's doing. Mm. The machine explodes and Slade just looks at it, stares directly into it, <laughs> into the explosion. <laughs> it does. And then we see him leaving the building, right, to go to Holly. Mm. And he jumps over that little... Fence again, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> oh, does he? I didn't see that. <laughs> Did you find him? Yes and no. <coughs> he did try and travel back. And? It didn't work. I'm trying to work out. I don't think any of the cast are in this bit, are they? Outside no. Web Biotech. They're not there congregated. No, that's fine. See, that would have been. They should have been. <laughs> they should have been. There's two bits in this that are bad. And one is that we didn't need to see Slade running and grab something, whatever it was. No. And also, when the machine explodes, there should have been a bit longer before we realise, you know, somebody else should have come out and just gone, there was an explosion and we can't see anybody there. She would have gone, oh my God, they're both dead. And then Slade runs out or comes up behind her or something. And, oh my God, you're not dead. What about Stephen? Yes, he is dead. But no, it's just immediately like, I'm here. (laughs) But if he'd have done that, he wouldn't be able to show off his jumping skills, would he? So it must be written into Michael French's contract that he has to jump over something in an episode. He could have jumped out of a top floor window or something. Oh. Really gone out on a parkour high. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a but great anyway. idea. But yeah, he's fine. And then <laughs> Holly asks about Marlowe. Yeah, but considering he's dead, he hasn't really said that to Holly. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's effectively, uh, he's either actually dead or effectively dead. Slade doesn't care that somebody Holly knew, even though he's a wrong one. Uh, Holly doesn't really care. Nah, nothing. I don't know. I don't know what kind of emotions are going through her head, but yeah, it just it's just like, okay, well, he's dead now, he's gone. Tried to time travel, didn't work, right, bye. Yeah, it's still quite a sad thing, you know, he's obviously had issues, you know, I know he tried to kill you both but still this is a man that's now dead um so we're back at holly's flat god this is it this is the last scene what are you going to do with it then what the machine i mean if it doesn't work anymore and you you can't afford to replace the electromagnetic crystal yeah i don't know i can't believe it's all over my father's work But the bank won't lend me any more money, so I've got nowhere else to go. So frustrating, isn't it? When you think of all those crimes we could be solving. It's not the point. It's very kind of defeatist, this, isn't it, from Holly? Yeah. They're in the room with the machine, the dead machine. Holly's bringing some lagers in. That famous brand of lager, 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 lager. Oh, is it lager, lager? It's white lager. Oh, and there's no glasses at Holly's either. (laughs) They're just swigging it, so... There's no pen pot being blown out for that. No. So, yeah, Holly's just a bit like, oh, well, just a bit deflated, sat down, swigging this lager. And they're talking about what they're going to do. She's got no more money. She can't get any more money from the bank. Bev Stevens. Bev Stevens. Um, who I would have liked to have seen in flashback. <laughs> and only her. Um, 
Slade's being a bit nostalgic, going, oh, all those crimes we could have solved. Well, just... Not like the science of it. This was the only working time machine in the world. <laughs> but, you know, his art's in the right place. Jeff's doing that thing you do with children when you kind of, like, set them up for something exciting, you know, <laughs> with a glint in his eye a little bit. What would have been nice here? Maybe speak to camera <laughs> or wink at the camera. That would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a shame you've not got the crystal. Wink. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, Slade's sort of reminiscing, ah, we are a good team, you and me, weren't we? Oh, what would you do if you had a new crystal? Why haven't? There's no point even talking about it. Holly's written it off. It's finished. It's done. We were a good team. You and me. Yeah. Look, if we could get it working again. Well, we can't. So that's a completely hypothetical question, all right? Mm. Yeah, completely. But what's this? Is that a niobium crystal in your pocket? Or are you just pleased to see me, Jeff? <laughs> One electromagnetic crystal with niobium casing. Where did you get that? Well, when I went back in after Marlow, sort of fell out the machine. You did. Yeah, he pulls out his crystal. You um, did. I did. He's not just going to hand it over to Holly. He wants her to confess first her feelings. No. No. What were you saying? About you and me? And then, oh, I'm getting a bit, <laughs> oh, getting a bit sad reading this. There's some, do you know what? Actually, when I remember when I first watched this, and I watched it a few times subsequently, I do get a little lump in the throat when I watch this bit because the music's really nice and emotive. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of warm, summery glow to the room, and it's just when you think about the potential that the series could have had that you know will never come to fruition. Yeah, and and listen, they got the crystal, but they were not prepared for the director of the BBC being replaced, were they? So, um, bye-bye, crime traveller. (laughs) Oh, no. The last shot of the whole (laughs) series is a very nice shot where Slade holds out the crystal to Holly, and Holly very delicately passes her hand over the top and holds Jeff's hand with the crystal inside. Would have been brilliant, I think, with another take. But instead, <laughs> yeah, so there's a slight little fumble of fingers <laughs> clashing, <laughs> a bit of friction. Wow. I would have just said, okay, let's just do that again. Sorry, from the top, everyone. Everyone to go home. They've had enough. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen him get the broken one and held them up to his eyes like he did with the oranges. <laughs> Start chucking it from <laughs> hand to hand. Ooh. Imagine if it smashed. It just broke. <laughs> if it were. Yeah, exactly. They are pissed. So, Oh, I drank the crystal instead of my beer. Sorry. Um, it only occurred to me today, after seeing Marlo disappear into the crystal, I thought, oh, that crystal's going in Holly's machine now. So what if one day, in series two or whatever, Marlo just appears from it? Yeah, that's a nice theory, isn't it? That could be one way of getting him back again. You know, there's an explosion or something in Holly's one, and he manages, he sort of comes through 
and escapes from it. Yeah, very interesting. But that's it for Crime Travel. I can't believe it. That is it. We are done. We are finished. The end. The end. Do you know what? Whenever I see close-ups of hands like that last shot, I always think of... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I always think of the end of jumping my car. (laughs) (laughs) With the dirty fingernails. (laughs) Yeah, which if you don't know everyone at home... Oh, I mean, I've looked. Mr. French's nails impeccable. Yes. Miss Annette's nails impeccable. But uh, yeah, watch um, the video for Jump in My Car by David Hasselhoff. Right at the end. And you'll see... When he pushes his little yeah. uh, button in... Is he in kit? Yeah. Yeah, he pushes a little button and oh my God. Ugh, talk about a thumbnail spoiling things. He's got what can only be described as poop. Under his yeah. <laughs> gunk, it's definitely dirt, which is just unfortunately, yeah. I think of that every time I see a close up of anyone's hands on the screen, because if that slipped through, anything could happen. Yeah, I don't understand why no one went. Oh, should we reshoot that? Because uh, it appears as though you've got a bit of poo under your nail there, David. Yeah. Sorry, David. <laughs> he obviously went. No, it's fine. Get out of my face. So if you were locked in the boot of that car, how exactly did you get out? That's the point, Chief. It wasn't locked. If it had been, I would never have been able to kick it open. Jump in my car. Get the car, Morris. We're leaving now. I wanna take you home. The key goes in the hole by the steering wheel. Jump in my car. Get in. Get in. Get in. It's too far to walk on your own. I suppose it was your car just sitting here waiting for you. No. No, it's mine. So sorry to leave everyone on that horrible image, but uh, yeah, that's it. Goodbye, crime traveller. Well done, everyone involved. Very sad. Can't believe it. So yeah, now we can discuss, well, eventually we can discuss something else. There's still a bit of loose ends to tie up. Yeah, we've still but, got a few um, things we're going we're gonna to go through, surprise everyone with. Crime Travel is never going to completely go from our podcast, is it? There's always going to be some hot news coming through regularly, I think, about it. I think so. Now we've covered it as well. When Series 2 does get announced, we'll be right there. Yeah. Ready to pick up the podcast again. We'll do some live reactions <laughs> straight away like everyone else. I don't know how everyone does it. But yeah, I like to be in the moment with with things I watch, so I don't know whether it would be the best. Who knows? Now, Doctor Who's 60th anniversary is coming up, and we've not finalised anything yet, but there should be something to do with that. We should really pay homage. I think so, and I think these new episodes coming up, I'm really excited for them. I think it's a nice thing to get David Tennant back, and you know, from the trailers I've seen, it looks like it's going to be really good. So I'd be interested in maybe us covering one of those at least. Um, Yeah, that'd be nice. Hey, talking about Doctor Who and Richard Dempsey, <laughs> and it's a, it's a while back now that this happened, but he was in the last episode, The Power of the Doctor. He was in it. And when he came on screen, it took me a little while. I don't know how instant it was for you. Um, were you kind of like straight away, wow, it's him? Or Yeah. I was saying to my wife, I was like, that, that that's him. He's in crime. <laughs> I got it, but it had to do that thing where I went, I know his face from somewhere. Who are you? <laughs> it twigged. It was fine. He's changed a bit, but he's still quite recognisable. Still a fantastic actor. I did mention it to him on Twitter, and I said, you know, good to see you in it, nice surprise, and he liked that. 
Good for him. Really nice guy. I think he'd be a good person to talk to if we ever got an opportunity. Who knows? Watch this space. Yeah, I mean, we are the country's most successful crime traveller podcast, so... Yeah, well, we were, but now it's finished. It's finished forever. And that's it. Yeah, never again. <laughs> Made me laugh because you've mentioned earlier the very final bit of the final episode. You've bought a microphone. <laughs> yes, I have. For crystal clear sound. And I've had my um, laptop upgraded to a solid state drive. <laughs> So basically, we've really caught up with technology in the past few years, ready for the final episode. Yeah, so that is, that's a thread, isn't it? Talking about <laughs> threads that have been going through the series. <laughs> oh, it's so fast, my laptop now, amazing. Oh, that's good. So that means we might be able to get these put out faster, yeah. maybe, I don't know. I'm going to start editing it as we speak, well, after we speak. And it should be a lot easier and clearer, you know, I, I won't sound like I'm trapped in a bubble. No. Which is going to be great, but <laughs> apologies for the other seven episodes. <laughs> No, it'll be fine. It'll all be fine. Oh, it's been fun yes. cobbling these all together. And, uh, it has. Well, I imagine it's a bit of a di- it's a bit difficult. You're, you're yeah. kind of putting bits and pieces together, aren't you? So yeah. I, I imagine that's quite hard. But it's all right, and I, I imagine that I think if we'd have just whizzed through them and uh, just watched them the once and talked about them, I wouldn't have got nearly as much out of Crime Traveler as I have, and I wouldn't have got obsessed with it and started collecting all these. Uh, articles and bits and bobs you know memorabilia and i got a really good thing off ebay that i'd never seen before great stuff so very interesting so we can delve into that um in the next episode we will um i'm just going to do a little plug for a podcast that i guest starred on to watch who now you may remember from the previous episode i was speaking to one of the presenters of that podcast mark we were talking about crime traveler stuff and doctor who stuff and just having a little chit chat so mark very kindly invited me onto his podcast where um he and his friend sarah they discuss doctor who in order so they just reached peter davison's era and you know he's a long-term fan and she's never seen it before and it's a nice little dynamic they've got so perfect for me to just crowbar myself into <laughs> As a third wheel. Yeah, <laughs> as a sort of medium in between. Because as I was saying to them, I was like, I am a Doctor Who fan, as are you, Ant. Exactly. In that we've seen bits of it all. We know bits of trivia. We know like basically what happens across the 60 years. We know behind the scenes stuff. We know actors' names. We know all this kind of thing. But I think that's probably what most Doctor Who fans are like. Yeah, and I, but I think that you're quite right. There's a level of fandom, isn't there? Yeah. That, but then the people who make a podcast are obviously yeah. more into it and know more things and have read all the books and all listened to all the Big Finish and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I um, did sort of feel slightly out of my depth in little bits of it, but fine. We were talking about The Keeper of Traken, which wouldn't be the one that I would have picked for myself to talk no. about, but it's one that I hadn't really seen. So I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. It but might be a nice little twist. Did you do a bit of research before you went into it and kind of yeah. watched it and then kind of did a bit of background to kind of look on the episode and yeah. see if you could work out any trivia? I did it exactly the same way that we do this one. Yes. I watched it and I was writing all my things in scene by scene. In the end, I didn't use any of my notes, really. <laughs> so... <laughs> But that's probably good. That probably yeah. made it a bit more natural. So yeah. no, I do recommend everybody check that out. Yeah. Obviously, you'll be able to chat about bugs soon, won't you? Yeah. Um, oh, this is exciting. So we don't know what we're going to talk about next. No, we don't. I'm still looking longingly at my one Vanishing Man VHS that I've got and wishing I had the other two to go with yeah, it. But f- that may appear at one point. No pun intended. If we could find the rest of them, I think that's that's a yeah. great shout. Um, it really is. If we can just find them. I'm trying really hard to get them. So that's something. Really but it's really about 
trying to find something in a similar vein to discuss, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, um, I know a joke about bugs. It's not really, and it's really long. And yeah. I remember it being quite dire. So probably not that. It's got a few series too. We could do a film or something, or a TV, another TV movie or something like that. Uh, oh, God. I think we should talk about the TV movie, Doctor Who, Paul McGann. I think that'd be perfect. Oh, I think we definitely should do that. That's it. And that gives me a perfect excuse to buy the Blu-ray of it as well. Oh, nice one. I don't have. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I think we should do that. Brilliant. Right, well, Great. that is it for Crime Traveller for now. For now. And it's been a pleasure, everyone. Yeah. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Right, I'm going to stop it there. Stop the recording there. Okay. I think oh. that's about it. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. We've done it. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? My hard drive failed. Oh, <laughs> Right, <coughs> episode two. <laughs> <laughs>